Hello everyone, good day. My name is Aaron and welcome to the RA21 podcast, a really adult show. As always, today we have uh, Ryan with me. How are you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm good. Um, been It's been quite a busy month. Um, haven't been keeping up with um, the markets that much. Uh, quite occupied with my day job. But yeah, it's been good. Uh, we're approaching the end of the year now. Yeah, and also actually for those of you who are listening, this is actually season two, first episode. So guys, we survived the first year. Yeah. Yeah, one year anniversary. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally. Yeah, it's actually literally one year anniversary because I think the last time we first launched our episode, right, was actually just before like Christmas. So actually, we're actually like the this is really like our thirteen episode. It's kind of amazing how how long we have actually managed to keep this running because most uh podcasts right after the sixth episode, I think most of them already stopped. Yeah. Yeah. So thank. Thanks for all the listeners for tuning in. We definitely both of us appreciate that much. And today I actually wanted to talk a little bit about uh, goal setting because, you know, it's just in time for the New Year resolutions, right? And also, I think uh, for the past year, uh, we do have quite a number of people reaching out, uh, asking a lot about, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you're just wondering, uh, especially during the New Year, right? What is it that you want to achieve for the year? So I think it's a pretty timely episode to um, address because I think it's pretty hard to find content that actually addresses goal setting in a very um, deep manner. Um, what do you think, Ryan? Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, the thing with like goal setting, it sometimes it, it's it's an art, I would say. You know, it's something that you get better over time, not something that um, you immediately get during day one sometimes you know people make um very lofty goals but it's grand uh in the long run it might make sense you know something like um tesla and elon musk and his um master plan for tesla you know people laughed at the um master plan when uh he 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 launched it but um over a span of like 10 years you know he actually did make it happen so you know but on the other hand if you go too specific uh, it becomes um like no life, uh, you know. Yeah, I think I actually like what you actually said about like too specific and no life because actually that's within my notes uh, that I actually wrote out today. And uh, actually today, the, the main purpose of this uh, podcast, right, is that uh, just in time, we're going to create this episode that, so that the listeners can tune in into how to do effective um, New Year resolutions now so that, you know, at the end of the year, next year, in 2023, when you guys actually like return and hopefully we have like season three, right, that will be better <laughs> that we still <laughs> exist <laughs> to actually like, okay, yeah, welcome guys, season three. Uh, how, whether or not you guys actually hit your goals. Uh. So uh, hopefully this will be useful for most of our listeners uh, because I think, you know, New Year, usually people will set New Year resolutions. Then let's hope that we can do our part to, you know, make sure that everybody hit their goals. So I think the first topic of the day, right, is basically like the importance of goals. Um, so maybe Ryan, would you like to chime in? Like how important is like goal setting in uh, your life? Yeah, um, I, uh, I remember this quote that... Um you gave in uh, our episode eight for um, diversification, right? You know, people with like, um, with no urgency are people with no goals. I think that's what you said, uh, if I remember correctly. And I, I really resonated with that because like for my whole life when I was like a kid, I, I don't really have many goals. So, um, and, and some of my goals were kind of like, um, you know, very abstract. It's not concrete things and and uh there are some of the goals that are kind of like when you reach the place that's it you know there i i never think like what's beyond the goal um how do i keep on going from here things like you know i i want to get into university i want to be a doctor i want to be this i want to be that right but um 
when you reach some of these goals and and um you would feel like oh, so what's next you know and and that's why i feel like um goal setting and and uh is extremely important to learn not the goal itself you know but like to learn how to set a goal that's the most important thing because like without a goal you have nothing to work towards and then and you if you have nothing to work towards right there's not much to live for right yeah i think that's pretty much the truth of the matter right because generally um when you speak to people who tends to do and accomplish a lot it doesn't necessarily have to always be about money and wealth and status but rather i think in terms of like quality of life improvements right when you see people who are able to attain certain like you know quality of life which they can enjoy generally it always started out with a person who has a goal in mind that they want to achieve lah. because it always starts with like oh i want this then you know we just need to be able to break down that into steps into and then realize it eventuality so as you mentioned um the important thing is that you know, goals must be there because if you don't have a goal in life, right, then it's very tough for you to figure out where you're going to be in the future. So generally in my own like consultation and even in my own life, I generally always have a goal, which I usually try to set every end of the year. I'll try to take one to two years, sorry, one to two weeks off every year, right, to sit down and then list down, you know, some of the achievements, you know, run through the overview of this year and also try to set up some uh, goal setting I have for next year. Lah. So a very good example is last year, um, I think more than a year ago, I sat down and said that I'm going to go to the gym uh, nonstop you know, for one year straight. And actually, I exceeded my goal because I now am, I'm now in like more than a year already. It's been one year, two, two months, right, since I actually have been uh, actively going to a gym. So I've not skipped a gym week uh, for more than a year now. So I managed to achieve my goal. Uh. So yeah. I think this, yeah, so I think this is, you know, when you first start, start obviously it's very tough, right? But right now it becomes so ingrained in my habit that I don't really think much. It's like pretty much like, you know, you just have to go. Lah. So it's not that tough for me to like continue that habit right now. So I think this is one of the reasons why we do have to need to set goals. Lah, and that's why we are here today. And uh, one, what other better way, right, than to actually start with the framework of SMART, S-M-A-R-T, which uh, basically means specific, measurable, attainable, relevant or realistic and time bound so for those of you though who do not know this smart framework which i don't think many people do not know i'm pretty sure during your schooling days you know i think this was introduced to some of you where this particular uh, framework is relatively old school because it was created in the 1980s uh. actually it's more than a 40 year old process and the system to actually set up very good goal setting uh, and actually list down in quite detail right how you're going to go about it so today we're going to do a deep dive into the entire framework of smart of uh, each individual factors, right, to set up goals, uh, goal setting, and then how you can break it down so that you guys are able to, you know, follow through whatever goals that you guys want to accomplish, lah. correct? So uh, how about you, Ryan? Have you actually, like, you know, used the SMART framework before in your own life? To be completely honest, right, this is the first time I've heard of this SMART. <laughs> wow, okay. That's surprising, huh? Because in Singapore, right, in Singapore, I'm pretty sure almost everybody has, has heard of SMART. I think that is like one of the classes that we are introduced to in like primary school. So I think like age 10 to 12 already know about this already. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think we have anything like that in uh, Malaysia. Like, you know, it's always just us on our own. But um, yeah, you know, uh, the, the SMART framework, from what I can see, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound, these are um, quite crucial to um, a, any goal-setting process. And I think it's extremely relevant, despite being a, created in the 80s, you say? 
Yeah, it's created in 1981 actually for uh, by a person who did it for some managerial like setting. So it's quite surprising that this particular framework has lasted for so long. It's more than 40 years. So it really does speak into one of like the classics of like goal setting. Definitely. I think, well, the, the, the reason it, it um, lasted all these years is probably because it's highly relevant. You know, it's it's something that um like like the classics, it lasts, it just works despite of your, your age, time frame yeah and even the era as well right because this was created in 1980s before we had any internet right so generally it does show that it does work because the uh, people are still quoting it but i'm not sure whether or not people have actually used this effectively so uh, i can share from personal experience that usually when i do set goals right i generally try to adhere to all five um, of these factors because it does work for me so because sometimes right um i can give an example sometimes a person will come to me right and then they say that they want to achieve something this year, you know, either financially, maybe in three to five years, or they want to do this, or they want to expect this from their life, right? Then immediately, right, when they like tell me their particular goal, I immediately know there are fundamental issues with the goals, right? Sometimes, you know, whatever they want to achieve, right, is not specific enough. You know, sometimes a person will come to me, right, and say, oh, I want to be, oh, Aaron, I want to be rich. I say, yeah, but, you know, it's, to, to me, like, everybody wants to be rich. Lah. So the question is, like, uh, why is it that, uh, how are we going to do it? You know, it's not specific enough because, you know, being rich is not very difficult if you actually put your mind into it because the definition of rich is also very variable depending on a person to person. Lah. You know, you talk to a farmer, his idea of being rich is not to, is not to having to worry about any loans and he can just do his job. Uh, until he dies, right? Then when you talk to a person who is like maybe like a CEO of a company who's trying to change the world, right? His definition of rich, right? Might be basically just, oh, I, I want to be rich so that I can just fund my idea and basically push the product out to as many people as I can. So that varies from person to person. So this is where the idea and framework of SMART comes into because um, the, one of the, the first factor over here is that when it comes to goal setting, you need to be very, very specific about your goal. So um, So basically like, like it's not enough right when you set goals i'll go on to the first topic it's not enough right to basically just say something that's very generic and broad and say that uh, for example i give you oh i want to be fit this year you know i want to be healthier this year i want to be rich this year you know it's not going to work uh in 90 percent of the cases because that is not specific enough right so usually what they mean by specific right is that uh for example you take the narrative the general idea of you want to be fit this year so maybe more specifically you can say things like this year for the for 52 weeks straight i'm going to go to a gym three times a week right that is something which is very specific this year in order for me to hit my wealth goals or income goals i want to make sure that i'm able to jump into a competitor or i want to negotiate a raise by 20 percent by end of this year no matter what that is something that's very specific, right? Or uh, certain things like, um, you know, activities that you want to do. Like, for example, you have always want to learn uh, the piano. Then you can be very specific like this year, you know, by end of uh, this year, in fact, by end of this uh, month, right? I want to engage in a piano teacher so that I can learn how to play the piano end of this year. So that is what they mean by specific. Uh, because if you know, notice a lot of people who always like when you sit down and talk to them, right? When they really sit down and then like, talk to them when you like dig further right and you ask them questions like how do you intend to be rich do you realize that a lot of them never actually give them a lot of active thought as to how they want to set the goals so that's one of the very key criteria to into setting uh, good goals you need to be able to write down very specifically what is it that you need to do and it needs to be activity driven it cannot be result driven you know so whatever you write down it needs to have an activity inside does that make sense yeah it does but like the way i like to see this specific right is like because the way this is 
frame, right? It it did um it kind of like deters me from uh thinking big, you know, dreaming big. How I like to see this, right, is like I have kind of like a goal, a simple one, you know. I want to be happy or I want to be healthy. And then um to break it down, uh, I think about how am I going to achieve it, and that's being specific, uh, as uh, what you've mentioned. So yep. like what I feel is like you don't don't be afraid to 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 kind of like dream big you know don't let um these sort of like unachievable or um very abstract goals stop you from dreaming about it you know you have a grand goal and then you break it down into very um specific or smaller achievable goals systematically and then you build upon it iterate improve and and slowly work towards it that's how i like to see that so just now you mentioned right like yeah maybe we can give the audience an example when you say you want to be happy right um for your particular case what are the some of the specific things you need to have in your life to be happy right i um i boiled down um this uh goal right into two things one which is uh being uh one is like how i'm gonna uh how am i gonna achieve it and then another mm-hmm. part which is like equally important is the conviction behind it. Why do I want to be happy or why do I want to achieve this goal, right? Mm-hmm. Because without conviction, it's hard for me to even summon the strength to kind of like um, work out what are the finer details of this goal and I work towards it. So to me, the why and the how are equally important. So in, in a goal setting scenario, right, the first thing I look at is like what I want and then I, I think about like how I'm going to go about it and why do I um, want to do this to keep going. So conviction-wise, you know, um, it can be a lot of reasons. Like you want to be, you want to repair your relationships with your family. You want to um, enjoy life with your partner, you know, or um, you want to be, uh, you want to enjoy your work, right? So it depends, like there can be like different scenarios. Like let's say you're unhappy at work, right? So that's the problem there. So why you want to change it? That's because you're unhappy at work. So the the how becomes you either change your work, change your department, or um you know go find go go find work somewhere else, or come out and start your own business. So that's kind of like the how, and the what the end goal is that you are happy, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I like how you started with happy, then you like broke it down into steps. Um, because generally when I look at people um into their lives, uh, when I open it up, right, a huge portion of their life is in their career, right? So generally, um, when you are unhappy in your life, usually it's a few common factors. La. One of that is the current relationship. Um, second one is uh, maybe your work is not going well. You know, the third one is health. You know, then the last one is also maybe your um, money matters and money situation is not going well. Because usually um, life has these core pillars, right? As to, um, you know, of happiness. Uh, these are the, some of the key tenets of happiness. So usually um, if one of them is not going well, right, it will affect the others. So it becomes a very like, it's difficult to balance lah. That's what I'm saying because like sometimes yeah. when you look at people who are like are very successful in their careers, right? But then usually when you look at their life, uh, they are actually quite lacking in the other aspects of their life. So generally, the harder they work, they think just because they're successful in one field, right? Then the others get misbalanced, right? Then sometimes there are people who are very good with uh, relationships, but then when you look at their money, their their money situation uh, is can be quite very bad. So like this this is like the extreme extremities of it lah. Then sometimes if your very your career is very good, sometimes your health is also lacking right so um generally 
um, New Year resolutions, I usually see them as a way whereby you need to be very balanced in what you need to achieve for that particular year, right? Like for last year, my focus was on health because I think um, for my case, I've been neglecting it a little too much. So right now, I know that my health is significantly better. My cardiovascular strength is a lot better and, um, you know, I'm actively like uh, making sure that I'm careful with what I eat. So I think my health has probably been the best so far for quite a number of years. So I'm actually pretty happy about that. So I managed to hit my goal. So of course, um, you know, after you do your specific like um, things, right, the next important step, right, which I think most people don't actually do because when I do sit down and do goal setting uh, with some of my clients, right, um, I think a huge portion of them don't actually sit down and create a system to measure their progress which is why I find that um, you know a lot of this like you know when you say a lot of people want to lose weight for new year resolution right so usually like the peak period for gym membership is like <laughs> January and February right so usually when you when you're active gym goer right, usually January February you'll see a lot of people go to a gym people buy new <laughs> clothes you know this this is why a lot of this like you know like athlete athlete shops are, you know, all these like athletic leisure shops, right? They always have like self cooling. Sometimes you always wonder who the heck are buying all these clothes. Are. Then you realize it's because people always don't hit their goals. So to make them, so every beginning of the year, they always make a lot of money uh, because people need <laughs> new clothing to wear, right? For their, for yeah. their activities. So that's why every year they have like the cycle. So it's quite, it's quite hilarious. Uh, but uh, I think one of the reasons why a lot of people don't manage to continue their progress, right? is because they don't actually start sit, to sit down and measure it. So from my experience and also from uh, from my experience dealing with uh, many people, right, if you actually sit down and write down uh, things which you can track and quantify, it will greatly improve right, your chances of actually executing your goals, right? So a very good example, right, is that, um, so I can give you an example. So if you are in the fitness space, right, you want to be healthier, let's say you want to lose weight, right? It is not enough for you to say that I want to lose uh, weight this year. You know, what is better is that maybe you can write down a goal. I want to lose 20% of my body weight this year, you know, so you have the 12 months to do it. But what is even better, you take one step further, is that every single month, I'm going to lose 1% of uh, maybe 2%, 1 to 2% of my body weight. So every week, right, I'm going to lose at least 0.25, a quarter percent of my body weight. You know, so that's, that's a very good way where you can actually like, sit down and break down the goal into numbers, right? Because if you start with something that is 20%, right? And by the way, 20% body weight loss is a huge number. Huh? Like, uh, like it's really a very huge number to like do because usually if you want to lose 20%, you shouldn't do it in one year. Sometimes it's better to do it over three years, right? That, that That's like a healthy range. If you do it over one year, right, the chances of rebound is very high. But then again, I'm not a, you know, professional, personal trainer, so it's better that you ask your, you know, fitness instructor for that. But generally, from my experience, like 20% one year can be done, but it's the likelihood of you rebounding is very high. So, but this is just a very good example of how, like, you know, um, you actually do something that's measurable, right? So you actually have to sit down. Uh, and I can share that what I usually do for my own goals, like, let's say I want to do income goal, I want to do business goal, you know, I know that if, let's say, I want to plan for my business, right, generally, I'll have a spreadsheet uh, um, on Google, right, on Google Workspace, I'll have a spreadsheet that details uh, what is the first goal, and then I'll break down into months, right? So I know, and in every business and every, like, uh, time frame right usually right the um, there is a certain periods where 
where business is a little bit slower. So for example, inside um, self-employed business, usually during the month of December, it's very quiet because everybody is on holiday. So for you to close deals is a little bit quieter. So instead of putting December as one of the month, usually what I'll do is that by end November, you know, I need to make sure that I hit this particular goal that I want to do. So I'll break that down into every month, right? So then for each month, I know there's also like certain periods where people are busy. So a very good example is January next year, that's Chinese New Year. So I know that maybe in January, right, two weeks of this time frame, right, uh, business will likely be more quiet, but it is also an opportunity to basically um, make more networking sessions because people are more sociable during that time. So basically, you use that time to meet people and then basically you just mingle around, right? So these are some examples of how I measure my success. I make sure that, you know, every single week, right, at the end of the week, I have some sort of output which I have done you know, and make sure that I'm able to measure and track and make sure that I'm actually progressing towards my end goal, right? So for you, Ryan, how do you actually do goal setting for yourself in terms of measurability? Because I know you're a spreadsheet wizard, so I'm not sure how you did it. Uh, Maybe you can share. I mean, for things that I can I can tabulate into a spreadsheet, right? I will do it. Uh, things like kind of like my income goals, you know, um, cumulatively every year I want to have 15% um, uh, uh, of uh, an increment. So, um from the very beginning, I, I kind of like had a curve that I wanted to follow. So that's something that I've been doing for the last five years. And, um, you know, of course, uh, I think people in the uh, finance industry and uh, community are not strangers to this, but uh, tracking your investments and um, and also like uh, at one point in time, I remember like last year or the year before that, I also had a goal to reduce 10 kg uh, from my weight. So I, I um, weighed myself <laughs> every week, you know, uh, and I did it, you know, from 90, I dropped to like 80, but sadly I plateaued. So I'm still 80 now. Hey, but I good. Think, uh, how long have you maintained the weight? Uh, I guess a little bit over a year. Oh, that's, it means that's very good, you know, because like, like you lost about more than 10% of your body weight. So do you know that like um, in terms of data, right, most people actually rebound very quickly. So if you manage to maintain for more than a year, actually it was successful. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, so congrats. So congrats. Thanks. So how do you like track it? Like, like, like uh, what do you use an app or do you like use like a custom created like Excel spreadsheet? Yeah, it's just an Excel spreadsheet, nothing fancy. Uh, I just go by weeks. Um, uh -huh. every, every Monday, um, before work, I weigh myself and I, um, put it down into the spreadsheet and then, um, yeah, you know, uh, and also I do keep like, kind of like a calorie counter at that point in time. Uh, I had a spreadsheet to, to kind of like, uh, uh, keep track of like what I eat. So, um, because at oh, that point in time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you manually. do it manually. Uh. Oh my God. Yeah. So, oh my God. uh, what I did was I calculated my, um, uh, What's that, um, the thing called again, uh, like your basic metal, me, me, uh, metabolic BMR. rate, uh, uh, BMR, yes, yeah. that's right. So I calculated that. And then because I was kind of like uh, always at home, right? at that point, uh, it was work from home uh, every day. So um, I uh, I was quite uh, dormant, uh, always sitting at home. So I, I kind of like went quite conservative with my... Uh, um, the basic metabolic uh metabolic rate so i set it to like quite uh low and then um from there uh, i did a bit of like exercise and a bit of um uh not a bit quite a lot of like uh 
food control, uh, control of like what I've, I've been eating. So it, it was kind of like a diet plus a little bit of exercise. What was your calorie intake like every day? Just curious. I uh, can't quite remember. It was like one point, one, one, 1,200, if I'm not oh my mistaken. God, wow, that is severe restriction. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually quite bad because like uh, what I did was it was also, um, uh, what's that diet called again now where you intermittent fasting? Yeah. So I skipped breakfast almost oh every other day. And then yeah. uh, for lunch, I just had like uh, tortillas or maybe um, a slice of toast with uh, some vegetables on it. Yeah. And then dinner, I, I just eat uh, as usual, just control mm. my portion. Because uh, yeah. at that point of time, I was still living with my mom. So, uh, you know, uh, Asian parents, you don't get to choose what you have for dinner. So, yeah, they don't, uh, they don't cook, they cater. There's a difference. <laughs> you know, cooking yeah, but... is one meal. Usually when you eat parents, they cater, they don't cook. So it's like whole catering fees for you like, every every day. Yeah, but uh, so that's kind of like what I did. Like, I kind of like controlled uh, my, my, my food intake to like uh, just two meals. So sometimes yeah. where during my cheat days, you know, I have like a bag of chips and a beer, a can of beer. But um, aside from that, you know, it's just mostly um, counting my calories with like uh, exercise wise. I do like uh, one hour walks every day around uh, uh, my, my, my area, but uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's just light exercise, right? you know. Yeah. Well, congrats, man. More than a year means that definitely the, the, the thing is working. So do you still like eat 1,002 calories every day? No, I don't. Uh, it's like normal now because like now I, I've been uh, working in the office. So, yeah. uh, and I moved out already. So uh, it's been quite normal. Uh, you know, I ate three meals and uh, yeah. I snack in between because like in the office, you know, people give you food and... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So yeah, it, it's been quite normal. Uh. If I feel like I, I've been eating a little too much, then um, I will skip breakfast or like a cut down. But um, nothing special. Uh. Nothing special. Uh, Maybe I still swim a bit, but yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely understand because uh, like, I guess when in terms of measuring your food intake, right, I actually have been measuring my food intake for the last 10 years. Like I can go back to 2010, 2011, right? And then at this particular point in time, I can tell you exactly what I ate. <laughs> <laughs> because I, you did it on worksheet, I did it on pen and paper. So that was wow. like the level of tracking back then, yeah, which I did. And I also went one step further and weighed every portion of my food with a with a scale. Yeah, so yeah, that's I, I a definitely... Sad, you know, like dieting. Uh, that's why like you when you mentioned that you can remember, I really resonated with that because I also can remember like one slice of cheese is 50 calories. I can remember that because I, I tracked it my standard meal was like a piece of bread with a slice of cheese, some lettuce, a, a, a couple leaves of lettuce and half a tomato. So you're like eating like a hamster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're eating hamster. I wonder your, your weight was trending down to the hamster wheel. <laughs> Yeah, but it works, like, you know, like this, this I, I guess when in terms of measurability, right, I guess this one particular portion where most people you'll see a lot of success, right, when it comes to like things like fitness and, you know, if you want to lose some weight, right, like measuring your caloric intake has proven time and time again to be very effective. Of course, um, I did mention about like, um, you know, like percentage weight loss. Uh, sometimes it's better to go and get a personal trainer or like, um, personally, I, I prefer personal trainers because they definitely inculcate the habit of going to exercise a little bit more, which I think actually is more, uh, it's generally more effective than just getting advice from calorie ins, uh, insight. Because from my experience, generally, if you incorporate both exercise as well as a diet, right, then generally your results are significantly better. Yeah, so obviously, this is a very good example of how tracking that definitely works. Uh, and I think one of the, the 
great things about tech these days, right, is that it's a lot easier for you to track as well. You know, like for example, if you want to track food, right, you no longer need to use a pen and paper. You know, I'm actually quite surprised that Ryan, you still use like the traditional like Excel spreadsheet because nowadays, right, the tracking, you can just go to like MyFitnessPal, right, then you just do it like it's, it's very fast. Yeah, in fact, you can just scan the barcode uh, on the on the snack and it'll tell exactly how many calories you, you add uh, on it. That's the level of like, uh, tracking that they have uh, this uh, in this day and age la, because like uh, I remember like last year I was also tracking my food then I also realized I'm actually eating more than 2,000 calories a day so I also scaled back la. I never go so low 1,002 is like really like super low la. I went down to like 1,008 then progressively 1,005 now I'm back to around 2,000 and I'm maintaining my weight so uh, this is a very good example of why measuring um, is very important in terms of goal setting right guys because if you don't measure your progress right then what you're going to realize is that you don't know where you stand and you cannot figure out what is uh, what you need to tweak in order for you to achieve your goal right so for example in the case of let's say um, weight loss is easy to to see because it's something which you can control personally so in the case of weight loss if you measure like your caloric intake right then you realize maybe yesterday if you are very honest about it right you actually consume more than what you're supposed to do then you know the logical thing is that you need to you know try better next time right maybe next week you try to adhere to it more strictly so in terms of restriction, uh, you know, whereas in terms of like things like personal finance, for example, it's like, for example, this month you realize that you overstretch your budget on things like coffee, right? So two ways to do personal finance, either you earn more, all right, or you cut up or you cut back, right? So usually, right, uh, if you're a person who has issues with budgeting, right, like very, very jealous one, right, um, then usually what will help, right, is that you basically also start tracking what you're spending on because I think a lot of people will be very, very surprised at how much they actually spend on coffee if they go out every single day. Right? So I give a very typical example. If you go to Starbucks every day uh, for every day, right, Starbucks, uh, one drink is going to cost you maybe, uh, okay, how much How much is the Starbucks in Malaysia now? 16 ringgit? 20 ringgit yeah, for 16, one drink? 16, 20. La. The fancy ah, okay. ones are like, uh, say okay, 16, la. Say six, 15 okay, to make it easier. Okay, say, so, so one coffee is 15 ringgit, right? Then if you multiply that by 30, uh, that's 400, that's like 500 ringgit every month that you are spending just on coffee, right? So, yeah. so that's a very good illustration of how that five, that six, that 15 ringgit might not sound a lot now, but in 30 days, that's a lot because it compounds, right? So, so I so right now because um I'm also very diligently tracking like my personal finance right I'm actually looking at a lot of loopholes on my own personal expenditures which I can try and make it more efficient, you know. So um and then sometimes you do need to diligently check now because uh the, I guess the question is you know there are things which you can cut you know because it's a luxury you can consider cutting it that's for personal finance and then that will actually give you like you know five hundred ringgit a month might not seem a lot but one year that's six thousand ringgit you know in t- yeah. in like thirty years that's hundred eighty thousand you know that's hundred eighty thousand ringgit down for just for coffee you know which you can get for like what nothing at home like what <laughs> less than like ten ten cent ringgit you can get a whole with powdered coffee you know if you're a bit fancy then maybe one ringgit lah. You know, so so you're talking about that type of like expenditure, right? Which you really have to ask whether is it a necessary expense, right? Because that's like that, that's how like I like to like do personal finance, right? Because when I look at the expenses, right, my question is do I really need expense? You know, if it's something which I can do without, then generally I'll try, I'll try to cut back. So this is something the habits which I developed when I when I start first started working, lah. Like whatever the Instagram thin influencers are doing now, right? I already started doing like many many years ago. It's just that back then we didn't have a platform to advertise to every the whole whatever doing it so i do diligently track my expenses and become it becomes so habitual right now right that i don't really need a spreadsheet right now because i can roughly calculate in my head 
um, I can calculate it pretty fast. Lah. You know, right now, I just take whatever number I'm spending. Then if it's something which is, you know, habitual, right, then just multiply by 30. Then from there, I can make a decision, okay, I need to cut back. Because I know that it's pretty expensive on a month-to-month basis. Then one year, I can extrapolate. Then you put that into the investment opportunity cost, lah, then it becomes a very expensive expense. Right, so this, yes. this are what we mean by measurable things. Lah. You know, things that, um, you know, if it's very expensive and then you're not extracting a lot of value from it, that is maybe something which you want to consider to change. And the way that you, why you need to measure is because if you don't measure, then you don't know what to change, right? Because it's not surprising uh, for me to meet people. Uh, I ask them, how much are you spending on coffee every month? They don't know. They cannot tell me, right? They cannot tell me. So for me, right, I know exactly how much I'm spending. For me, every month, assuming let's say if I go to Starbucks every day, right, it's going to cost me about 450 ringgit every month. But if I basically just eat powdered coffee, uh, one week is going to cost me 15 ringgit. So that is 60 ringgit. That, you're talking about 400 ringgit savings every month, right? And then how much is your rent in uh, Malaysia, right? now one month say average a thousand a thousand 450 ringgit is 45 percent of your rent yeah yeah so so basically you're so you're spending close to 50 percent of your rental on coffee so so that that should put things into perspective uh, about like how much like you should track your expenses and just be a little bit careful so because when i do numbers like that then you realize relatively right actually uh what would be a better like expenditure right instead of going for coffee maybe i can actually just increase uh, my rental yield, right? And then I can stay at somewhere better. That doesn't yeah. require me to go and spend coffee outside because the place that you're living is not conducive for working, right? So so this type of like comparisons you can only really draw if you actually actively like track your expenses. Because the question that you want to derive to, right? And then the end result is that for every dollar that you're paying, uh, you want it to maximize, right? The amount of like experience that you get or better efficiency. So that, that's the, how the way that I look at expenditure, uh. Alright, so of course, you know, apart from all this, right, I guess the next pointer, which is pretty important, is whether or not the goal that you set is achievable, right? And I think this is very more rare, so relevant in today's days and day and age, right? Because of the influx of Instagram accounts, a lot of this, like, Twitter, especially it doesn't help, right? That, uh, many people are just posting their highlights in their personal account and not posting like the downsides uh, of, of their lives. You know, it's, it can be quickly, it can quickly become extremely toxic, right? If you basically just, um, you know, judge your life uh, as to what people are, you know, showcasing highlights uh, on their Instagram profile. Uh. So, um, so example of achievable, right? Um, so example of like uh, achievable, right, is that the goals that you set needs to be somewhat achievable and somewhat you know that you can hit, even if it's a little bit of stretch. So a very good example, if let's say, for example, uh, you know, like for me, um, okay, let's say you talk about the weight example again. I want to lose 40% of my body weight in one year. Possible, like you cut off your arm, you know, <laughs> but a better way is that maybe instead of going, uh, shooting so extreme, right, is that maybe you can uh, add here, maybe you start at around 20%. Yeah, so I think that that is something which is achievable if you make yourself a little bit uncomfortable. So I think that's one way, right, where you can assess your goal setting. So maybe for you, right, maybe you can share, right, uh, when you do goal setting, uh, how much weightage do you put, right, in terms of thinking whether or not is it achievable? Yeah, I do. Uh, it depends. If it, it depends on the time frame, it depends on like how abstract or concrete it is. So, so right. Like what uh, we talked just now, when I start with a goal, right, I have a very kind of like a, not to say a big one, but it's kind of like abstract. So like, let's say um, I want to be rich, right? I want to be filthy rich so that I can, I can um, go on vacations two or three times a year um, without uh, thinking, uh, you know, whether it's like uh, good for my bank account or not. Don't have to worry about money, right? So 
um, that's the kind of like level of rich I want to be. Um, and then I will break it down to why and then how. And then um, because I want to be rich, it's not very achievable. It's not very attainable. It's very abstract. Right? So uh, this is where the how comes into play. I will invest. I will increase my income. I will reduce my expenses. And then from the how, I break it down to even smaller goals. So like, what do I need to do to increase my income? What do I need to do to reduce my expenses? What do I need to do to, um, you know, uh, invest better, you know, or, or what kind of like uh, assets do I need to have? What kind of like mindset do I need to cultivate to, to be able to, to, to have like 10x returns? So from there, you know, um, when the goal is uh, abstract, it's not wrong. Uh, you just need to break it down to something smaller, something more achievable. It has to be concrete. It, it has to be extremely concrete. Say like given um, um, I want to have a 20% increment, right? It's also quite abstract. You know, 20%, although there's a number, is something measurable. But then how are you going to get there, right? So like, like you have to kind of like break it down even more. You have to think about like uh, like, the quote uh, from our, our friend Ake from like uh, the last episode, you know, she mentioned if you want to have a 10K income, right, then you have to bring a 10K level of value. So then the question now becomes, what, what additional value can I bring so that I can increase my income to 20%, all right? So maybe you are a professional engineer, say like an engineer, right, in my case, because uh, it's easier to give an example. So like... um. You know, what I did for my for my career is for the first five years, I focused on squeezing the, everything out from my technicals. So I want to be as technically proficient as possible. And then in the next five years, I want to transition into a more um, uh, business development role. From there, you know, I take my technical knowledge and I apply it so that I can make the money. So from here, I, I understand that the first five years, right, I won't be able to which I'm still in my first five years. Next year will be my fifth year. But um, uh, I, I understand that I won't be able to um, make filthy rich uh, kind of like salaries. I won't be able to make five-figure salaries. But what I, can, uh, what I can do is get close to it. So I have to think about like um, at what kind of like level of proficiency do I need to be? And then uh, from there, you know, um, you need, uh, because like corporates, usually they like certifications, right? Like... Um, like Aaron, right? Uh, you have like two masters. You have your your damn name card is like an ABC soup lah. You got your CFA, everything. Yeah. So so um, this is what I'm I'm working towards. You know, I want to get a professional certification from a um professional body. You know, uh, maybe uh from a foreign co- uh country that uh, my company recognizes. I I want to get um, you know, so uh uh some of the um, coding language certifications like, um, you know, your Microsoft uh, Power BI or like uh, Power uh, or like uh, AWS certification or like even like a basic Python coding certification. So that's that's the kind of like thing that um, you need, right? So you can see from how do I get rich, I broke it down to I need to get certifications. So that's the the, the train of thought I go through when I, I uh, want to make my goals achievable. Yeah, I think that is a very good way to do about it because uh, as much as I don't really like certifications, right, I cannot deny the fact that certifications does give a pretty good benchmark as to the proficiency of a person provided that it is relevant to the job that they are looking yeah. for. 
I mean, it's right. kind of like degrees, like, you know. It, you don't need it to perform. Yeah. It, it's more for show, like, you know. So, yeah, so at least tell the... Yeah, it's also tell the, the employer that you have a benchmark level of proficiency in your work, especially if it's a field, right, where you are a newcomer. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's just that, but of course, as you start to mature in your particular career, then the less and less relevant, right, your your certification should matter. And what should be more, what should matter more is actually your portfolio. Because that actually matters more than your certs. La. The certifications are very good in demonstrating that you have a level of benchmark um, ability, you know, in order for you to perform in whatever job that you're in. So things like Python, all this, are, these are important if you're a newcomer, right? But as you start to age, maybe once you hit your mid-30s, right, then hopefully by then, you know, your portfolio should actually show more. Um, your portfolio should demonstrate more of your ability than your certifications because the relevance, the, the life the life cycle of your certifications really goes to shit uh, once you hit your mid-30s. Yeah, so, mm. like, so I think this is something that we have to point out, uh, you know, achievable. Of course, when you're in your 20s, you should do all whatever you want. Uh, but as you start to grow older, uh, then the generally the return on time and money in terms of like um, these sort of certifications usually is not as relevant as your portfolio. So, but what I do like about what you have mentioned in this achievable, right, is that uh, I think the 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 one thing that most people want to basically achieve in their life is actually their income or their wealth growth, you know, because that is something which is actually pretty hard to do in the grand scheme of things. Uh, because weight is quite easy, right, because you can just control yourself. Whereas if you look at things like health, you know, all this, you can control yourself. Personal budget, this is easy for you to control because you can just cut. But I think what is very difficult is basically looking at the income goal and your wealth goal because that is the something which you do, you, you cannot just do yourself. Because if you are talking about income goal, right, that is something that is also dependent on the marketplace. And in uh, entrepreneurship, we call this product market fit. Except in this particular case, the product is you. Yep. Right. It, so it really depends. Like how I look at it is um how much is in your control. Because a lot of this, right, is like it's like you have to invest first before you can kind of like uh ask for the increment, or you have to invest first before you know you can hop to a job that uh pays you accordingly you know like th these kind of like certifications and like uh you know maybe i don't know like uh like you have to put in the time and like uh, build your say like for programmers um build your github profile you know you have to put in the time further and then like sometimes it may not bring you anywhere even but um it's something that you have to go through it but uh a lot of this i think like um when you're doing this right you have to recognize that a lot of it is not within your control. So the things that are within your control, um, you just do it and then um, try to do, uh, try to make the best out of it um, as you can. And then um, let the rest um, do the job for you. Yeah, I guess what you're also doing is also preparing to be getting lucky, right? Because sometimes when yes. luck comes your way, right? Then if you don't have it, right? Then it's very difficult for you to capitalize. Exactly. Yeah, so I think this is very good because it's always like you can never go wrong betting on yourself. I think yeah. at the end of the day, like if you put in money to yourself, it's very difficult for you to go wrong because if you are getting better, you know, your skill set is getting better, it's very hard for you to go wrong. So um, I also like uh, what you mentioned about how much value you can bring to an employee because I did actually give you, I actually, actually went to search like, uh, you know, in terms of investor metrics, right? Do you know what is the average revenue per employee for Netflix? Wait, I remember you saying this. I it was quite high, I remember. Yeah. So so you take a guess. You just now mentioned that in order for you to generate 10K income, you need to return 10K, right? Do you know how much revenue per employee Netflix has on the average? 
A couple hundred thousand? Yeah, it's 10 times more than that. It's 3.3 million per employee. And that is why they are able to pay six-figure salary, guys. Because the average revenue per employee is 3.3 mil. So easily for them, right, to pay 120k per annum is not that difficult. So the average income, the average revenue per employee in Netflix is 3.3 million. Would you like to take a guess, uh, the lowest one, how much is the revenue per employee? Uh, Say maybe, I don't know, 500k? Oh, okay, uh, okay, at least you hit the high bar. Okay, the lowest return, right, is 180,000 employee per annum. Yeah, That's so, still a lot. Yeah, so that actually does give you perspective, right, why they are able to pay six-figure salaries in uh, Netflix, right? Because then generally, the, the the way that the structure is being constructed, right, is that they have very high revenue per employee. So this actually goes back, right, to the importance of like, uh, when you set, up a goal, right? To let's say maybe hit six-figure income, maybe even in US dollars per month, you also have to ask yourself fundamentally whether or not the sector, company, or structure that you are working at can actually even pay you that much, right? Because sometimes, right, when you actually really sit back and then like do all these goals, uh, that's why this thing called achievable, right? You need to ask whether or not the current situation you're in, right? Even is it even achievable or not because sometimes if you are inside let's say a particular sector that basically just um got, they, they just cannot pay you that level of income uh, even if you like let's say search around your peers uh, then maybe the solution is that you in order for you to hit this level of income right you need to get out of the country or even get out of this sector and you need to change sector right because it's like for example you want to hit like six figure let's say usd um uh, a year right you know, and then in that particular country, the highest paid CEO is not even getting that amount. What makes you think that you can hit that amount? It's not <laughs> going to happen, uh, right? So, so this is why you you need to see whether or not is it achievable, uh, Because when you actually break down this, and then when you actually raise this point, then you might come to the conclusion, right? That if you want to hit this level of income, right, you need to get out of the country, right? So, yeah. so this is what I mean by achievable. Because like you, when you set goals, right, it's not enough to be specific and measurable. But then you also need to measure whether or not whatever you want to do, whether or not the structure that you are in allows you to hit that goal. Because sometimes, right, it's not about how much you put in as what Ryan has mentioned. It's also depending on the counterparty, right? In this particular case, if you want to hit income goal and if you're an employee, the particular sector that you're in, uh, the, game play, the game that you're playing, right, you need to make sure that they have enough, like, a profit and revenue, right, for you to even like hit that goal, right? So yeah. if you are hit, you are in an industry, right, where the revenue per employee uh, is the average, right, is barely touching, like, like, uh, is barely like touching, maybe it's only 50,000 USD per employee on you know, average, right? I see the likelihood you're going to hit six figures is very low. You know, but whereas if you work in a place that say Netflix, you know the average revenue per employee is 3.3 million, right? And the lowest is 180,000 like USD per annum, right? What's the likelihood you can hit six figure in terms of USD terms? It's pretty high lah because you know you know that the revenue per employee is very high. So you know that the, the wealth can be distributed to employees without much issues, right? So this is the level, this is the type of like quantification that you need to go through when you think about achievable. Lah. So another very good example is that for example, um, you want to be like super wealthy. Let's say, okay, let's say you want to hit like like eight figures of wealth, right? You're talking about 10, 20 millions, uh, that, 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 that type of number, right? You also need to ask yourself as employee whether or not is it achievable, right? Because assuming, let's say, if you're only like, you know, I have some clients uh, who like tell me, oh, everyone, I want to invest in a product that, you know, is very low risk, but I can hit eight figure within my like working years in like 40 years. Then I, can, I say, have you even like, <laughs> like actually like, sit down and do the numbers and even think whether or not that is achievable or not? Because assuming, let's say you're a high flyer, you're talking about, okay, let's say one year you earn like 120,000 USD a month, which already puts you in the top 
twenty, you know, top ten, top twenty percent income earners around the world. Right? Hundred twenty k USD. Let's say after tax, ah, uh, after tax, you're talking about maybe eighty, seventy, eighty thousand USD. That's really like super damn high in terms of like first world context. Like, you go around the world, you earn that much. Are really earning more than what the the normal people in Japan, Singapore, you know, a lot of these countries are earning, right? You do that. Let's stay a top. Top ten lah, uh, top ten percent. You know, hundred twenty k more. Let's say tax free lah. Uh, let's say for some reason you're able to get tax free. So like hundred twenty cash goes directly to you. Don't have to like uh invest in anything, right? Hundred twenty k multiply by average working spend. Let's say you work thirty years, right? That's about three point six million. That's seven figure, right? You want to hit eight figure. Let's say you want multiple eight figure, ten twenty million. Do you think you're going to do that? Get there by working? I say you're not going to get there by working lah. Uh, as an employee, it's not going to happen. Right, no. so it's not achievable. So, in order for you to achieve the result that you want, you need to take on things that people are not willing to do. So, things like investing into more aggressive, um, more aggressive like um instruments has to happen. You need to take a little bit more risk because there's no free lunch in the world, right? In order for you to achieve something that is that most people cannot achieve, you need to do things that pe- most people are not willing to do. Because if most people are willing to do it, right, then because the the market conditions, the marketplace is quite efficient now. Uh, the competition. Is so high to fight over that pie. The likelihood of you achieving is very low, right? So this is what I mean by achievable. Because, uh, and actually that goes on to our next point, which is what, uh, they call relevant or realistic, lah. Because like achievable means that in this in, achievable, the the way that is structured, like is like based on your current skill set and industry or not, and and based on your current skill set, based on your current industry, whether or not is it achievable for you to hit it, um. Whether or not this goal is you know achievable, you know, and then whether or not is it realistic, ah, uh, means that okay, assuming let's say the current variable that I'm in, ah, uh, I know that I cannot achieve, therefore I can make a change. Then the next question is the next factor of realistic and relevant, right? Where the question becomes, you know, um, uh, in this particular, let's say I make the change that I need to make, ah, uh, whether or not is it actually even realistic for me to achieve my goal in the next factor? So an example would be let's say, um, I want to hit. Uh, eight figure net worth. Okay, then I have a. I'm specific, right? I want to hit maybe twenty million, right? Okay, then you are specific, and then you're measurable, then achievable, provided that you invest inside the uh, super high risk um events. Uh, maybe you invest in uh, crypto trading or whatever, right? Then realistic, ah, uh, you you put you took uh, put a uh, a realistic time frame, right? Let's say okay, I'm gonna do it in one year, <laughs> one year, right? So if you can do it in one year, right? Uh, likelihood you're quite lucky, lah. Right, usually it means luck. Uh, lady luck is on your side. But keeping the eight figure, that's another question, right? So assuming, let's say, um, for most people, I would say hitting eight figures in one year, um, especially if you start from nothing, I would say for ninety nine percent of people listening, it is unrealistic. All right, yeah, because one percent is when you get lucky in the lottery, yeah. Yeah, or you or you sell FTT token, then that one maybe you can. Right, but um, <laughs> but I think for like not a large majority of people, right, if you want to hit eight figure in terms of net worth, ah, uh, you need to go through a shit ton of like, um, psychological change. You know, your fundamental beliefs have to change in order for you to actually like deserve that that level of wealth because yeah. it is really not easy, uh, for a person who starts from nothing, right, to. Hit eight eight digits lah in terms of like net worth is is really not easy because hitting seven figures right most people can do in forty years, alright. But hitting eight figures ah that is something that's not easy to do because that one that 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 level of disparity ah from like six to you know seven figures ah actually most people can do lah. But when you're talking about eight and nine figures right that level of um 
risk taking uh, and that level of like um psychological change and psychological belief swapping uh, that you need to go through right that is not an easy endeavor to actually do because most people don't have it inside them uh, to ever hit eight, eight figures in their lifetime because it's, it's really very tough i'm talking about eight figures in usd terms are uh, not ringgit so if you convert to ringgit you know eight figures is at least you're talking about uh, let's say 10 million you're talking about at least 30 million ringgit north north of 30 million ringgit uh, sorry 50 million ringgit oh, north yep. yeah so, so that level of change you need to go through psychologically uh, to hit that level of wealth because you're talking about you're close to out, you're high net worth already, right? ultra high net worth. Uh, it's not an easy endeavor to do because um, a lot of work goes into place in gearing you to be, to be ready for that type of income, right? So we're talking about realistic. So for you particularly, Ryan, right? In, like, in terms of relevancy and realistically, right? In terms of goal setting, uh, uh, how do you go about structuring your goals to make sure that they're relevant and realistic? Well, um, like what I mentioned in the beginning again, right, is like when I have a goal, like this kind of goals, uh, for me, like the best kind of goals right, are the goals that stem from uh, needs, you know, when you 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 craft these goals uh, out of necessity. These are the kind of goals uh, that you, you have the strongest conviction for and hence, like when it comes to like relevancy, right, like let's say, um, when I was in a bind financially, the the goal was to get out of this shithole fun uh the, this finance a uh, financially shit kind of like uh environment. So it was something that was like highly relevant because it improved my 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 life quality. But then when when we talk about uh even more grand goals like uh, you know I want to I don't know maybe work in fan companies or I want to um. Uh, become this and become that or I want to uh, be filthy rich you know then uh, the goal becomes like not as um, relevant in that sense because like sometimes you know um, the 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 it's so far-fetched out uh, that you know sometimes you may not even be able to imagine it and hence like your your conviction for it becomes weak so like you naturally you know you won't act as uh, like uh, out of like desperation as to like people who are trying to get out from like uh, poverty or uh, trying to get out of debt because when you have that kind of like urgency right you see things like i find when i found myself in in, in a in a pickle like that like in a situation like that right my my goals became my my vision was clear you know? like last year when i moved out um not not last year this year when i moved out from my 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 um parents place right i found myself in a position where my personal finance was not good at all you know i barely had enough to 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 make it through the month so it was like basically hand to mouth and then you know my goals became laser clear laser sharp because like i i exactly knew what to do to address a problem those are the kind of like uh best goals uh, when goals are created like or, or or set out of necessity and not and, and desperation it's kind of like the the parental principle again the 80 20 rule when you you have that level of like desperation and 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 um like you want it bad right like really really bad huh? then uh, it becomes like highly relevant, uh, you know, your, the goals that you set. But the goals, like um, you know, you set like I, I want to be filthy rich. I want to have like even say like financial freedom, right? Um, I mean, it's a nice goal, you know. It's a it's a very noble goal to have like f uh financial independence. But then to survive, you don't need it. You know, you can just keep on working on your job, and then 
you know, uh, you can have a decent life. You know, you you can eat well, you can you know um, enjoy entertainment. But then, um, like uh, it, knowing that you are not financially free will not keep you up at night. It's not. It's not the kind of like a change or like a goal. Like say, um, say the recent crypto, um, liquidity crisis, right? The what do you call this? The um, cold wallet uh, was kind of like a desperate goal for me. Uh, at first, it didn't feel like um, like very relevant. Uh, in the first half of like twenty twenty two, uh, it was in my goal to get it during Christmas with my bonus. You know. It felt like more like a a level of like a insurance like or uh, and at at that point in time insurance was kind of like luxury because we are still um in the tail of like the bull market. But then second half of twenty twenty two, companies left right center were going down. The goal became highly relevant, you know, because I cannot sleep at night. Already. I needed that cold wallet immediately, you know. I wanted it so bad, uh. When I saw um the what's the the FTX went down. When I saw FTX went down, uh, I immediately, I didn't care if I had enough cash in my bank account. Uh, I immediately went on the website and I ordered my ledger. And then the next thing I did, right, while waiting was I look around for hot wallets. So in a short span of like one day, right, I learned about the importance of cold wallets. And I also expanded my knowledge about like self-custody with like hot wallets. So that and and I transferred it out into my hot wallets and uh and everything. So, you know, uh, it, it depends, like you know, it, it the this kind of like changes and goals uh, when it's relevant, right? You act on it very with like a lot of conviction, and if that makes sense. Yeah, of course, it's exactly the same situation whereby um you know when it becomes something that is a need instead of um like 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 in order for most people to achieve their goals, right? They need to be very persistent with it correct like they need to be very disciplined very persistent and like generally that 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 spirit uh, of not giving up right that is something which is very very important in order for you to achieve your goals because sometimes during that journey of needing to keep your goals uh, there's sure to be setbacks right so i give an example like right ryan during your time when you were trying to lose it was there any time where you had a setback or was it very free and easy? <laughs> no, I, I might like go back to my old eating habits, you know, pick up yeah. a nice bag of chips. Or if like, say, you know, binge uh, eat. Uh, binge eat I, I might fall into, you know, binge eating if I feel like very deprived. Or like, yeah. you know, maybe if I have, I'm having a very busy week, I can't really find time to exercise. Yeah. So you know, why even did you things continue? like as simple as like, you know, because I wanted to be fit, you know, I want, because 90 kg, I was unhealthy, you know, I, 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 I was short of breath, even climbing up the stairs. It was yeah. difficult, you know, so it, it's something that I had to do because if I don't, I'll probably get a stroke or heart attack. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, that's why, um, you know, in terms of like this point, right, about relevancy is very important, right? Because, um, even for me, right, sometimes when I set goals, I need to be driven more than just uh, extrinsic things. And I guess this particular factor on effective goal settings, right, is to make sure that you look inside rather than be influenced by what is happening outside of you. So it means it needs to be coming from a standpoint, right, where you need, you want this to happen because that is what you yourself truly wants. Yeah. Right? It's really about like how bad you want it, like, your conviction for it. How important yeah. is it to you? Yeah. So 
uh, a very good example is that it is not wrong to be driven by wealth, you know, because realistically, right, I would say that a large number of people, right, need a better quality of life in terms of addressing material needs to be happier. You know, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with being materialistic, I find. It's just a question of, you know, but if because if it stems from something which they really want, then I think it's okay. You know, but if it's something that stems from external exception, right, you know, then that is something which you might want to relook. Because I think generally for me, right, like I've tried it, um, the lifestyle of countryside farming, right, is not for everyone. <laughs> okay, uh, I've tried, guys. I've tried. Believe me, you know, I cannot tahan. After four days, I give up already. So, <laughs> so <laughs> like, uh, I realize, like, personally for me, even though I, you know, the, the, the farm life, right, is something which most people, you know, some people, they would like to have. I realize for my needs, I need to have a certain level of city life in order to stay sane. So, you know, so I come to the acceptance, right, that my quality of life indicators uh, means that I need to be able to go to coffee whenever I want. You know, I must have high-speed Wi-Fi, you know. Uh, I must have, like, a certain level of city life, right, to enjoy my life uh, personally, right? Because, um, you know, I tried countryside living. You thought that it would be something that is nice, right? I tried, uh, um, okay, like, quite nice for the first three days. Uh, after the fourth day, I go insane really. So, and that's it, uh. I think... Yeah, so from my perspective, and th- that is not being influenced by anyone else. That's like me going through it. I realized that I cannot. Uh, I, I really cannot. So I guess this is a very good example of relevancy. La. So because of that particular experience, I know personally, right, I need to have a certain level of uh, expectations to my income because in order for me to stay happy, right, I need to be able to go to a, a movie theater that can showcase Marvel films, you know. So 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 if you go to a countryside, uh, there's no theaters at all for you to see anything. So, <laughs> so, so for me, right, I need that level of like um city life experience now for me to enjoy my life, lah. You know, so because of that, therefore I work backwards, right? Therefore I roughly know like okay per month what is my income goal, and I must have uh, and achieve right in order for me to have this type of um you know standard of living, lah. Then of course um there are also certain things like um you also sometimes you need to be driven by a higher income because if you have kids and a family right then you also want to give them opportunities you know apart from being in a farm uh, farmland so sometimes you want them to have at least have the option to work in the city and be given opportunities in the city if they choose to uh, choose to do when they grow older right so this is the type of level of like relevance that you have and usually goals that come from that stem right from need rather than one right generally um you know they tend to be fulfilled a lot more you know from my experience and looking around people because sometimes when it's something which is very urgent and something which you need to do uh, then usually people will achieve it quite fast uh, right so uh unfortunate an unfortunate example would be usually sometimes you have a health scare right then because of this health scare therefore you like really like buck up on your like um insurance your health your insurance, like, all these sort of things. Sometimes you have a health scare. Might not necessarily be on your own life. Might be, you know, someone you know, someone you're close. Like. That's when you're very, very worried. Like. Then that's when you go out and like, um, be more careful about your, 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 your own health. Like. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, um, misfortune needs to happen before the gates of fortune uh, can be opened. Unfortunately, like. right? So, so basically, the takeaway from this factor, right, is that when you guys set goals which are not just realistic but relevant, right, uh, my suggestion is to look inward as opposed to outward, right? Because inward motivations tend to be far more 
longer lasting and and you're able to persist, right, when adversity comes your way, right, compared to outward motivation. So your goal setting or relevancy should be centered around you and not what you see online. I think that's very important. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with the point when you say um, the, the why has to come from you yourself, you know, not um, because of other people. When it's because of other people, uh, you you are letting um you're giving control to uh the other party and then when things are like out of your control it's hardly achievable and sometimes yeah in fact in fact if you always focus your happiness on outside like outward acceptance right then what's going to end up happening is that the more successful you become the more resentful you become yeah validation has to come from within yeah so like validation love for people around you love for yourself most importantly should come from inward and not external factors because I think that's one of the hard parts that you I think people need to go through especially in their 20s and sometimes even in their 30s right and that is you need to learn to love yourself and to accept yourself for who you are you know, instead of being, instead of being, uh, instead of succumbing to whatever that, you know, people are expecting out of you. Yeah. So I think this particular factor is pretty important, especially when you make decisions. Lah. Try not to make big decisions out of what people are expected of you, but rather what you want for yourself. You know, what you want or bit, what? Yeah, have a little bit more independence, especially for big decisions on your own life. Lah. Because once you have that, right, then it's going to be a lot easier and you're going to be happier for it in the longer term. Lah. Because mm. like a, you know, a very good example is like if you're pressured to buy a house because your parents say so, right? I tell you, you're going to look at that piece of house, you're going to be resentful for the next 30 years because that's not something you really want, right? So I think what will be helpful is that you're buying, maybe if you intend to buy a house, you know, buy something that you really, that's something that you really, really truly want because you want to live in that particular country, you want to start a family, you know, then I think you'll look at it and you'll be happily, then that will also transcend to your, your work and your goals and your income goals, right? Because now that you know that, that is something that you really want and you are very much happily willing to work for it, then you go to work happy rather than you buy something that you don't like, uh, then you need to fund it, right? Then, wow, I tell you, every day you go to work, you have black face. Uh. Every, every, <laughs> every, on the first day uh, when the bank deducts, auto-deducts your, the money from your, your, your bank account, uh, wow, the feeling yeah. uh, is like... Yeah, then you feel very resentful because it's not something that you truly wanted but you are pressured to make the decision, right? So, yeah. I think, like, this type of, like, decision-making, like, the relevancy needs to be there before you commit into very very big decisions yeah unfortunately money is one of them uh, apart from the big three like usually the big three are your wife you know your your partner your life partner that's very important um your house because that takes up a very huge chunk of your mortgage every month and the last one is also uh your health la. i think your health is also very important these are the big three which you need to like, like like I called it the life like you know McDonald's the QC they have a like three stool the three legged stool right I say in life also got three legged oh. stool it's your health your money and your relationship I say one yeah. of these topper uh, the the stool you'll, you'll, you'll fall down yeah so actually that goes on to our last point for today which is the time bound because like no matter how precise how relevant how realistic how achievable or how specific your goal is right nothing usually gets done right without having some level of time clock or time binding so what this really means is that you need to have a deadline to achieve your goals because if you put your goal deadline too short i can tell you most of the time you'll burn out within a few months i can assure you you'll burn out but if your goal timeline is too long 
then eventually you might not even want to do it because you know you're a bit too late. Right? So for my particular case, right, I usually have a pretty good deadline. Um, I have it set as something which is realistic, but I also want it to be a little uncomfortable. Right? Because yeah. I find good time, time, good time deadlines are something right, which is realistic, we know you can do, but at the same time, it's also a little bit uncomfortable. So I want to stretch myself a little bit so that I know I'll be able to achieve it. Uh, and even if I don't achieve it within a timeline, because it's a little bit com- uncomfortable, right, I will still manage to hit my initial goal anyway. So for you particularly, right, Ryan, like, um, I think for your case and example, it's, a, it's quite interesting, right? Because uh, for those of you who have been following us, I've been, you know, chatting with Ryan for, how long have we known each other? Two years? Two, three years? Yeah, yes. Yeah, 2020? Yeah, two yeah, years. 20, so, yeah, so it's coming to us and we have never met each other, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> Season yeah, two so, and we have not managed to yeah. catch up. <laughs> Yeah, so we have not met each other in person yet uh, for, for two years. So that goes to show how, you know, like uh, Kikokomori both of us are, you know. <laughs> but, um, but I think in these two years, right, I think Ryan have really, and I have really chatted. And I, I really love, um, I'm happy to say that Ryan, whatever he has said in his two years, uh, he actually managed to achieve. Uh, because every time when I talk to him, I say, yeah, you know, everyone, I'm trying to lose weight. Then he actually lost his weight. Then, you know, yeah, everyone increased my income. Then actually, he, he actually achieved his income. So what I that's why I like to talk to Ryan so much, right? Because usually, right, when I talk to him, I know that, you know, he's the person who makes things, he does make things happen, you know. He's not the type of person who will, like, say things that he won't achieve. Generally, when I talk to him, every time I catch up with him, he will, he will usually, he's a person who will make things happen, right? So, for you, Ryan, what is your secret in, like, making things happen in terms of time management? Because I think this is something which I don't think you acknowledge, but I think you are actually pretty good at. No, no, I mean, but I mean, I, I try, you know, but I do fall short on like a lot of my goals. But I feel like, like uh, what um, uh, I mentioned just now, right? Like the goals that I set usually stem from necessity. The best goals that I set out and achieve are usually the kind of goals uh, when I, I'm pushed to a corner and I'm forced to make that decision. So, and, 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 Usually, these kind of decisions, I uh, there's a very strong deadline to it. So, like, like because I I'm a person who cannot tolerate discomfort a lot. So when I feel discomfort, I feel the extreme need to go and fix it or do something about it. So that that's kind of like how I go about it, lah. But if let's say like um things like uh say um programming itself, right? Like how do I get good or how do I get practice on it, right? Like um, you know, I don't necessarily need to use um programming languages to do certain tasks in um in, in my work, but I still choose to do so. Sometimes it may take um longer than uh than I I wanted to. Uh, because like uh you know the the typical joke where you know programmers will take ha- uh the whole day just to plot an Excel chart. So that uh, that was kind of like what I went through. But the goal I had in mind for like my programming right, was to be so fluent that I can do uh that I can do um certain things in say um the same amount of time but 10x better with programming. So that that was kind of like the goal that I set out to to do. But then how do I get practice, right? Nothing beats real-time application. So that means like when I actually need to do it, right? I know I can do this within a minute in Excel, but I still choose to do it in Python. And then uh and then knowing that uh knowing that I have a deadline in one hour. So so when I so like 
it's kind of like gaslighting yourself into into this kind of like uh, situations. Huh? Maybe gaslight is not the right word for it, but like you put yourself into this kind of like uncomfortable situations, right? And then you 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 gaslight yourself into this kind of like desperation, so like kind of like a uh, urgency, and then you do it. You know, you will do it, and you will achieve it because like. Nothing beats a bit of like discomfort uh, when going into uh, uh to, when when learning a new skill or like um, trying to achieve something. At least that's how I look at it. Yeah, I always find that the best goals tend to be a little bit uncomfortable, especially uh and and usually the way to make it uncomfortable is to set a deadline. Yeah. Right. Because if if uh, because you know uh, the 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 fact this this particular factor although it's a last factor is actually a pretty important factor, right? Because if you don't um because no matter how rich of a person you are, no matter how poor of a person you are, everybody's time is finite, right? Everybody's time is very limited. Uh, every day, there's only 24 hours. So in order for you to maximize the use of your time, uh, whether or not is it through relaxing, whether or not is it through hitting your income goals, doing your job, I think like learning how to set time deadlines right, effectively, right? Um, that it will benefit you is something which people need to have innately, you know, because especially like... Um, I would like to say that most people are actually quite... Most people actually understand who they are as a person themselves if they really sit down and think about it. Like, they are very... I think most people... I would like to say that most people are pretty much quite self-aware about their strengths and weaknesses if they really sit down and be honest with uh, themselves at. So, you know, there are certain things, you know, in life uh, which you might not be very good at. You know, so if you're a person who, you know, cannot really deal with computers a lot then generally what you will find is that in order for them to sustain life uh, there needs to be some level of compensation that comes along in order to compensate for the lack of being able to be you know computationally um, literate right so this person might be better at uh, making friends this person might be better at networking you know, mm. then if a person who is very bad at networking, uh, in order for them to be living life and give, delivering value to society, what you'll find is that in order for him to compensate for the lack of ability or communicating with others, is that technically, right, they tend to be more proficient. You know, in terms of executional, technical execution, they're better. So, you know, like, God is quite fair on now. Usually, <laughs> you know, yeah. if usually this factor, you're not very good. Uh, you know, the other factor, you're usually better on. So generally, um, if you want to get better at something which you're not naturally gifted at, right? Then practice, persistence, these are things which you need to keep in mind in order for you to get better at it. And uh, all these things come into play, right? It needs to be specific, it needs to be measurable, achievable, you know, relevant. Then, of course, the last factor, which is actually, in my opinion, one of the most important factors, you know, is to make sure that you have a deadline. So your yes. deadline needs to be, as what Ryan mentioned, uh, it needs to be a little bit uncomfortable because if it's too comfortable, you'll never do it, yeah. right? You're taking way too long. It's like, who the hell takes 10, 20 years to finish the degree? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no matter how dumb you are, right? The likelihood they take 20 years to finish the degree unless you're Bill Gates because they, it took them 20 years because he basically quit and then they just, hey, come back, I'll give you one, right? You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that's like one very merry-go-round way to do it. La. I'm joking. But, um, you know, there are certain things in life which doesn't really require a lot of time to finish. La. And I guess, you know, in terms, you also must, and this particular factor also, also lends an important factor is that you also need to learn how to prioritize because no matter how good your goal is right you also need to fit it uh, you also need to prioritize it because your time is limited so for example if you want to hit this level of income you also do need to prioritize it with other goals in your life 
Because if you only prioritize this, right, generally because time is limited, you are going to have to give away, take that time uh, to focus on this uh, away from something else. So if you're going to be very focused on your career and your solely on your income, uh, generally you have to sacrifice a little bit on your relationship and your health in order for you to fulfill this particular goal. So, you know, sometimes that's why they always have this New Year resolutions. It's basically like a day, right, where everybody just relook at what they actually like sacrifice uh, to basically compensate for the next year. Like some, yeah. it has been quite, it has been quite consistent for me lah. Because every time when I focus on my health, right, then I realize is that my income and the business will start to go down. Then when I focus on my income and business, uh, then my health, I realize will start to go down. So that's why the <laughs> the saying uh, the Dalai Lama like to say, right? I find mine very interesting because he spent his entire lifetime trying to earn money in sacrifice of his health. Then after he has his money, he sacrifices his money to go and earn back his health. Yeah, God so does it's, not it's give a, the two hands, huh? Yeah, so it's very very tough for you to like do and juggle all this, like you know, um all this like, because like my my observation is that generally if you are a very super performer on one aspect right generally it's like you know when you play an RPG game right when you create a character right you know there's like strength dexterity luck agility right you know but then you only have like 9 points to put you know in, yeah I mean you, you can't have it all nah. yeah, you, so, you so want you to cannot... be super good at something uh. you want yeah. to focus on something that, that you, there's bound to be things that you need to you need to give up uh. Yeah, so so this this that's why and this limitation comes from time, right? Yeah. Because if you have a limited time, uh, you need to be very deliberate and decisive about where you want to spend it, uh, and to get better at it, right? Because if you're not, then because this this time given enough time, most people can do what most others can do. Okay, lah. I think broadly, like, talking about very, like general goals, uh, but I think because of this level of time, time is because it's a time time clock right then generally what you want to do is that you want to push for the natural advantages that you have in your life which makes it a lot easier for you to hit the goals compared to what others are doing right so for example for me right i tried programming all right i'm pretty sure i can do it but it's not my natural it's not my natural talent right i know i can do it you know but i know that uh fundamentally it is not my natural gift you know, but what I'm very good at is I'm very I'm able to take the knowledge that I have in programming, and actually speak to people uh, who do programming and actually effectively, right? Um, you know, at least communicate with them uh, what is it that I want because mm, I know yeah. whether or not it's achievable, right? And that is really a very huge upgrade, right? Compared to a person who completely doesn't know anything about programming, because uh, yeah, when exactly. I am speaking programming language uh, with a programmer, at least when they mention to me, right, the data sets, right, at least I can tell them, hey, fundamentally, your data sets, I think you're trying to smoke me. Like, I, I don't think that's that's how it's done because fundam- I have the fundamental understanding of what programming can do and what it cannot. So things like functions like memory, you know, things like this, this is a computer science. Uh, you're talking about the limitations of a computer, right? You know, like that's why when you all use the... It's, it's quite interesting. Uh, when you guys use like the, the, the calculator, sometimes you realize the calculator cannot calculate above 2 billion, right? That, that's because yeah. there's, a, there's a limit uh, in terms of the, 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 the limit in terms of the, the, the memory that a computer has. So the memory uh, plus minus is minus 2 billion, positive 2 billion. So and usually anything above 2 billion, uh, then you, your, your calculator will have an error. So these are the type of things, right? Where we, once you know this, uh, then you really, basically you know the rules of what can be done in a computer. Because generally programming, right, what it really is, uh, is understanding how computers function. Yeah. Because you're manipulating data, right? You're basically just manipulating what the computer can do in terms of their memory. Then you can like, like even all these like, these pixels that you, all these like filters you guys take for granted on Instagram, uh, 
always like filters uh, actually someone had to spend the time uh, to basically automate this process through code okay like all this like a lot of these things you guys take for granted uh, or like Instagram filter uh, all this uh, someone actually had to sit uh, sit down and actually create a program for it yeah right so and all this stems from like being able to understand what the, the fundamental structure of how a uh, computer runs and how you manip- basically instruct the computer to do exactly what you want <laughs> in in that in that fellow's language. <laughs> right. So so um so personally for me, right, a lot of people ask how was my experience at CS50. I can say with high certainty that I think it's very beneficial, right? If you want to be relevant in terms of skills that you try to do it. Because I think that even if let's say at the end result, right, you're not a very superstar programmer, right? What it really gives you is a pair of uh new glasses for you to see computers in a different way. Yeah, exactly. Nothing is worse uh, than working with a client that does not know uh, if like let's say you are you are in the digital business uh, it, nothing is worse than working with a client that does not understand uh computer science or programming it's difficult yeah. to to communicate you know you tell them this is the limit we need to change another way and it will cost this much then they'd be like then push the limit uh. then i'm like no you can't do that <laughs> Yeah, because that's not a function of like your your scope, right? Because that one is basically like computer science limitation. It's hardware exactly. limitation, right? Yeah, yeah. So 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 that's a very good. Then basically, like uh, what I learned from computer science, that there's a reason why lah. Because the the that's the standard for the world, uh, So it's like unless so the way that to address that problem, right, is that usually computer science, right, the the people who are the programmers will try. Okay, I'll try to solve the problem by using less data. Maybe I can like do away without. Maybe instead of using the full hundred percent data, I can do. Away without 20%. So that's how they like make the code more efficient, right? But usually uh, the, the clients uh, who don't who know nuts of computer science, ah, you cannot just double base, put like buy an RM. Uh. Obviously it doesn't work that way, right? Because it's not a function of like hardware, it's just a function of computer science. It's like saying, right, like uh give an example, uh, one plus one is equal to ten. You cannot make one plus uh one plus one is two. You cannot make it ten, man. I say you cannot, man. Your computer cannot. Uh. <laughs> Can uh, you get error. Uh. <laughs> you get error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean that's the the level of like like uh I that's why I do find that uh CS fifty was a very interesting subject because it allowed me to understand computers a lot better and what are the limitations that they can do la. So for those of you who wants to learn, you know, I definitely highly recommend the course. Anyway, it's free. It's quite uh, fun to learn. So. Uh, that was also one of the goals which I set myself this year. I'm glad to say that I've managed to achieve it. So, you know, after all this like time bound, I guess we go on to the next point, which is uh, as what, you know, Ryan has been mentioning this entire podcast, right, which is uh, goals which are a little bit more abstract and larger. Um, I basically just term this as a BHAG, which is the term used by Jim Collins. Uh, he's a very famous author. He wrote uh, Good to Great. And he says that every single goal, every single company, right, needs to have a BHAG. And that is an acronym for Big Hairy Audacious Goals, right? Because as what Ryan has mentioned, sometimes when you write goals which are very specific, measurable, the smart framework, right? A very big problem, right, sometimes, right, is that the goals are too small because it's too comfortable and it's not uh, uncomfortable. So, basically, right, Jim Lynch, right, when he wrote the book about, because he studied S&P 500, then he studied what, what differentiates a company, you know, like Apple versus a company, like, um, when they were fighting against, like, IBM, right, is that companies who became from good, uh, they were good, but they became great, right, were basically 
big companies who had a lot of BHAG, which is a big heavy audition. Oh. So uh, when Apple, like usually, especially when during the Steve Jobs return, right, when he came back to Apple, right, he basically cut, I think, close to 95% of the skills of Apple and decided to focus all their efforts, right, into two or three projects, two or three products. And his big hairy audacious goal, because the company couldn't like, you know, they, they were spread too thin over their product line. Right? He just wanted to make sure that, okay, Guys, instead of focusing on 100 products of which 95% are shit, I just need you guys to focus on one very good product, right? So after they finished that very good product and they realized that's what, the, that's what works, right? Then they, they decided to expand into other products which um, works better and better and better again now, which is why now when you look at their skill of products, it's a lot, but I would say that it's a very, it's pretty concentrated, right? So um, what about you, Ryan? What do you think about this? Because I mean, even if it's not inside your own personal life, right? I realize that your portfolio is filled with things which are BHAG. I mean, um, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals. Uh, these are always nice, uh, you know. But then, um, like, what we mentioned, like, the, the, the framework of smart, uh, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound makes it uh, kind of, like, achievable. But then, if you don't have a big goal, right, when you reach these kind of, like, smaller goals, uh, it feels like the end point idea, and then there's, like, nothing to continue towards if that makes sense and then you know it, it makes you when you think about that right it weakens your 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 conviction to work towards the goals so that's why um uh, for me i always have like a big hairy audacious goal behind every smaller goals one of the best examples from the S&P 500 i can give you is uh, tesla you know tesla has a has a master plan to become you know um a power energy i have this uh master plan open on my screen now so i'm just gonna talk a little bit about it you know what elon musk wanted was to transition the world into uh electric not not just electric cars but also like um you know um have like less emissions becoming energy positive generally just to make the the, the environment a better place like we clean energy and all that and after he broke everything down to its simplest form right the four steps that he's gonna take is build a sports car use that money to build an affordable car and then use the money from the affordable car to build an even more affordable car and while doing all the above also provide zero emission electric power generation options when he wrote that right people laughed at him say it was like unachievable you know but then now fast forward to today it, it's reality he's um he's uh, factories are all uh, powered by, you know, wind um, and uh, like sustainable energy sources. He did build a sports car and then he built the SCXY uh, car series. So which are S, uh, Model S, 3, X and Y. So from uh, an affordable car, he built like an even more affordable one, which is uh, Model 3. And then his uh, products are all zero emission, you know, and then... He's also got the Tesla battery packs. He's also got the uh, Tesla, um, uh, what do you call this? The the um, solar. So, you know, it's this goal to be like um, the, the goal of electrification behind everything. You know? And that's why every move he makes, every small goals that he takes, right? They are all um, backed. Uh, they, there is a reason why he does this. And... From there, I learn. I know I need to. I need to apply something like this to my life. Like if I want to be happy, right? Every decision I make, I have to be conscious, conscious about whether um I'm happy or not with this decision. Or like let's say if I aim to be um healthy, right? Every decision 
I have to wait whether, you know, this will help me get closer to my big, hairy, audacious goal. Nah. So that's why I think like it's quite important to have this kind of goal in uh, behind. Nah, because it, it's more about like, uh, to me, it's not because uh, the big, hairy, audacious goal is, is important. It's the process itself uh, where you link that big goal towards a small goal so that you build a certain level of like um, reason and conviction for you to hold on, to persevere towards the small goal. And then when you achieve the small goal, you know that you're in a better place because you are working towards that big goal. And it gives you the motivation to to move forward. That, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, in fact, I think what you have mentioned about, uh, by the way, the document, uh, you guys are who are listening, right? It's called The Secret Tesla Motor Master Plan, just between you and me by Elon Musk. And this was actually written in August 2nd, 2006. So it's yeah, it more than years ago, yeah. Actually, it's 16 years ago, more than 16 years ago. So it's coming near to the two-decade plan. So this is a very good illustration, right? Because uh, I'll, I'll try and link this inside our podcast so you guys can go and take a look, right? In fact, uh, basically what I've read, right, and what Ryan has mentioned, right, is a very, very good example of how to do very good goal setting. Because if you read through his 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 uh, master plan, right, which is basically just one page, uh, and then like he he end product is to build a sport car, use the money built affordable, and build more affordable, da da da, right? He goes into very the the five tenets, right, of uh of basically like the smart, which is specific, measurable, you know, achievable, you know, realistic, and then of course the time time bound lah. So actually, every single thing he read, uh, you'll be very surprised, uh, that. Uh, he actually even links things like the white paper. Then he even links things to other, like a lot of other data. And then he is very specific as to why. Because he, he can even like list down, right? Like um, even the heat system, cycle generator from General Electric is 60% efficient in turning natural gas to electricity, right? So he's very, very clear about like um, in terms of the numbers from an engineering perspective and the math, uh, most importantly, uh, what needs to be done in order to achieve it. So that gives you a very good illustration of what, um, how good this actually goal was uh, because I like in retrospect right have you guys ever like taken a read at like some of the shitty annual reports like this other companies try to put usually they'll give you this like stupid annual report right and then when you try and read the annual report you cannot understand anything you yeah. know usually the annual report is like uh, this year we hit all time high uh, macroeconomic conditions made it very challenging for us to hit uh, something like that like, usually around this stuff like this is what I call fucking bullshit like type of words that <laughs> all this like PR agencies like to throw inside the annual report. Then by the end of this 600 pages, uh, you realize uh, a lot of the fluff in the end is actually doesn't mean anything except what matters more, right? Is you actually just go and look at the financial audits and the basically the numbers to understand the business. Lah. So um, this is what, like uh, to reiterate for lack of better person, right? It's what Warren Buffett likes to say, you know, when he reads the annual report, he would appreciate it if the managers uh, who wrote the annual report would like to explain it uh, in such a manner that uh, they would explain it to their their sibling uh, and their loved ones. So this is why, you know, usually when you read a report like that, you realize that this CEO knows what he's trying to talk about, you know, and then he's very being very real with you, which is quite rare inside the... The, the MNC space uh, because sometimes when you read MNC reports uh, sometimes it's really a load of bullshit uh, like when you read it uh, you don't understand what the fuck they're trying to tell you so um, <laughs> this particular case right like I'm very happy that he actually just leave it up and it's been and <laughs> it's 2022 but he still like literally just leave it up so it kind of tells you like he has a plan right so I mean the, you guys can just go and read it and then you can use it as an example to craft out your own big hairy audacious goal because I think what really helps uh, is that 
um, apart from having just a goal in your head, is that you actually take the time to sit down and write down your goal, right? And yeah. I think this is a very good example because you will actually have like a composition written. You know, your English though doesn't need to be like super good. You can even write it in whatever language that you feel comfortable. It can be in Italian, it can be in Mandarin, it can be in Malay. Uh, whatever, right? To me, it doesn't matter because so long as you like r- r- sit down and then like write it down, right? Generally, you'll find that you always go back to the the composition that you write yourself. Yeah. So and this will provide some level of unwavering like persistence uh, whenever you're hit with adversity. Because the truth of the matter is, when this guy wrote this down 16 years ago, uh, he cannot attack left, right, center by everyone. Uh. Yeah. It was fucking difficult to, yeah. He kind of fucking like, like he kind of whack like nobody business, especially like uh everybody all laugh at him, say you guys you're crazy, and you know he managed to achieve it lah. You know so, um I that that's the importance of having a BHAG because as what Ryan said, if your goals are not like big enough, right, and then what I've learned is that not just what Ryan say is true because I've I've actually witnessed this amongst my peers, myself and you know some of my clients is that when they hit the goal they realize that oh like that uh, then what's next you know it's like when like uh, you, you talk to a lot of people who achieve all these like super high goals there's even some people who achieve like um, you know they climb all the mountains in that in that area right then I ask them so after you climb a mountain how do you feel oh okay lo, like that lo. <laughs> you know and, they, and it goes back to what Ryan was saying right the process is more fun than the actual outcome yeah and that is the journey so i i think like end of the day right uh, while a lot of these goal setting um things is something which is very replicable you guys can achieve in life i think end of the day right what needs you guys do need to sit down and appreciate right is that sometimes the journey is more fun than the eventual goal that you set up you must enjoy the journey because if it's something which you don't really enjoy right i can tell you most of the time you're not hit it yeah that's the reality right so that pretty much concludes uh, our our Big Harry Audacious goals. And uh, the last point I would like to add, which is what Ryan mentioned, is that the importance of reflection or reviews on your year. So Ryan, would you like to add into that? Yeah, you know, um, towards the end of the year, I think like we've been talking about like goal setting for the next year, but it's also like extremely important to look back into the first the, the last 12 months and see where you are compared to back then. Are you in a better place now? You know, uh, have you achieved or um progressed towards the goal that um you've you've been you've set up? Is it um it'll be it a long term or short term goal? You know, um the important thing here is to look back and kind of like learn from it. You know, it doesn't have to be a mistake. You know, uh like like um it doesn't always have to be a misfortune that you learn from. You know, and then but uh you can also learn from you know things that you fall short on. You didn't, um, you know, when you tried to achieve something, you know, it and it didn't happen, or maybe it turned out to be something that's not, not really, um, important to achieve. Then you know, uh, from there, you know, you can you reflect and then you understand that you know maybe uh, I need to pursue uh, a better goal or a more achievable goal. You know, then tweak it a bit, make it your New Year resolution for twenty for the next year, and work towards that because. In life, all these goals, right? Sometimes you can achieve it in a matter of like weeks. Sometimes you can achieve it in months. Or sometimes it's a long-term thing that spans out of uh like three, five years, say like long-term investing. You know, it's okay to make mistakes along the way, but um you need to learn from the mistakes and then iterate upon it, which is like improve upon it. You know, if the direction is wrong, change. Because it's never too late to change, you know. Because even if you make a mistake, you are learning that this is not the way to do it. There is a better way. There is the right way. Another way that's that's more efficient, more um correct. 
more suitable to you, perhaps, you know, that you can work towards. So yeah, you know, um, reviewing your year in itself, like it gives you an idea of where you stand in life and also um, gives you a chance to, to, to reflect on your processes, your decisions. And, and, and from there, right, it gives you a, a good idea of like what you need to focus on in the immediate year. Does that make sense? Yeah, and also, um, I think it's also very important for you to learn to be kind on yourself. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes uh, people are very harsh on themselves. So I think the reflection part is also something which I myself personally do at the end of every year um, or at least once a year, which I do. Usually I take two lines, either on my birthday or usually end of the year. I'll try to take like one or two weeks off from the year and try to like really reflect upon my life, whether or not am I happier. And I think most importantly, not get caught up in like uh, what needs to be done in the future and actually take a breather, take a stop and appreciate what has happened over the past year. That appreciation and being kind to yourself is also a process that I think is very important because I think it's very easy uh, to get um, caught up, right, in all this like chase for what you want to do in the future and you tend to forget what has already happened a lot in the past year because you don't appreciate what has occurred in the past year, whether or not good or bad. Generally, what you realize is that Actually, in one year, a lot of things can happen, right? Yeah. If you really sit down, right, and really take note, la, like really take note, la, like starting of 2022 and the end 2022, how much has changed in your life? Uh, you'll be very surprised, right? Actually, within this year, how much has happened? So I do think that it is quite important for you to really like in the process of in the process of like like thinking ahead, right, which is important. I think also what is more important uh, is that you take a breather and sit down and appreciate what has happened in the past, even if it's bad or good because usually right you can connect the dots uh, uh, backward as which is what was said in the last podcast uh, what it has mentioned right you can connect the dots backward but it's hard to connect it forward so generally you do need to like sit down and appreciate the journey that you have taken in the past year and also learn to be kind to yourself if let's say you didn't achieve what you set out to do because end of the day you know so long as you have taken a conscious effort to try, okay, you might not be in the best condition this year because of whatever reason, something's, you know, shit happens now, you know, everything, every year, every month, you know, uh, shit happens to everyone. So you also need to acknowledge and be realistic that sometimes, you know, things don't go out as planned because that's life, right? Life, there's a lot of issues, like Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong to go wrong. So I think it's also very important that when you review and reflect, right, you also learn how to be kind to yourself. Because if you are in a perpetual state where you're very harsh on yourself, which is what I did, right, eventually you're going to run into burnout. Yeah. Right? And then you might fall into a state right, where you don't feel motivated anymore, which is why, uh, which is what I witnessed. Like, you know, sometimes when I fee- see people who are not motivated, there's a very clear reason why. Because when they first start out in their goal setting, they were so driven and they were so harsh to themselves. Right? Then as they start to age, right, they lose the motivation because they are burnout, right? So I think this appreciation of what you have gone through, I think is also very important because you have to acknowledge that change does take time. You know, especially if you want change which are very long-lasting, you want to be a person who is a lot happier, a person who is a lot uh, less reactive and a person who lives more in the moment but at the same time is still able to get shit done in the future, right? You also need to sit down and appreciate um, the spiritual growth and emotional growth and the maturity that you are going and developing into as you start to age, right? These are things which are very important, especially if you are between the ages of 25 to 30. 
right? Because you know why 25 or 30 is quite hard, right? It's, it's difficult, right? Because this is when uh, people start to realize that their first career is going to be something they're going to do for the long term. Long term. Then on top of that, right, usually between 25 or 30 is when a lot of these young adults are moving out of their parents' place. Yeah, at least right? in Southeast Asia. Yeah, at least in Southeast Asia, that is very difficult. And on top of that, uh, they also have to deal with the fact between the ages of 25 to 30 uh, that your parents are mortal and your parents might die. Yes. And your parents are aging, you know. So these are the, the type of changes, psychological changes, many young adults go through from the ages of 25 to 30. So if you don't take a step back and realize uh, the amount of change that's happening between this age, right, that's when it's very easy uh, for most young adults to get easily overwhelmed. Because a lot of things happen during these five years. So sometimes you need to take a step back, you know, and then uh, take a breather, right, and then appreciate, like, how much you have to deal with, be kind to yourself. And if even if you don't hit the goal, at least you know that you're progressing somewhat in the future. And then that's when you can take a step back. Then you really set, sit down and then do the goals as what we mentioned in this podcast, which is make sure that you do it, you know, the smart way. Then at the same time, of course, if you know, it all ties back down to what is it that you want in your life that is big, hairy and audacious, right? Because that is important. You need to have a very big goal um, that inspires you to do the small things every day, right? Because yeah. if you don't have something uh, that inspires you, I can tell you, you'll be wondering your whole life uh, not knowing why you're doing things that you want to do. La. So it really answers a lot of questions about motivation, right? Because sometimes when you get up, you just don't feel like it. Um, Everybody has that days. Uh, but what really uh, keeps you going is because you, you have a goal in mind that you want to achieve. La. The thing you said about motivation, right? One of the most unhappy people I see uh, are people who are extremely smart, right? but lazy because they know exactly what to do but then they don't have the the, the energy to go do it you know? and, and and they become very miserable because in the end like they, they feel like what's the point because I can see everything in it a high IQ generally a high being smart doesn't mean that it's <laughs> it's a it's a it's a good thing sometimes it's a curse that's what I'm yeah. saying it's, it's what I call Kyang syndrome <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's why it's like really important to celebrate the small wins small victories in between because like let's say uh, to give you an example for myself right I never really thought of like moving out from my parents as like a, a goal or like a noteworthy goal but it happened right and then when I was in the process of it there was so much shit that happened uh, that threw me into uh, a state of like my bad personal finance like and and like my life turned upside down I still have to keep my job going at that point in time you know, learn learn to remanage my time and everything. The 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 emotional and psychological growth I had to go through, and also like because I moved in and like my partner, my girlfriend. So it's also one more thing that I have to learn to to manage. You know, because like living with someone is not as um simple as it sounds. It's not uh it's not as like simple as like you know you have a roommate or uh, in, in university or something. It's not not like that at all. You know, it's completely different, and that's why like looking back, you know. Uh, you you learn to appreciate that you know you 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 manage to survive this. What doesn't kill you make you stronger, and then you know you learn from it. And then um you know you I I feel like it it's more like um content. Uh, I feel like when I look back at things like this, right, I I manage to 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 persevere through all this um uh, like moving out and everything. While it's not a goal that I initially set out in my in my New Year resolution, but it's it is something that I I managed to to achieve, and then uh it is something that like I think personally I should I should give myself a pat at the back at it, and like what Aaron mentioned, be kinder to myself, you know, 
uh, maybe like just um, towards the end of the year, celebrate a little, you know, and then uh, keep on working at it because in the end of the day, you know, like um, these things, like uh, what people don't, uh, a lot, what uh, most people don't um, get with like moving out, or at least I didn't get before I moved out, right, was that distance kind of like make relationships fonder. So like I, when I created a bit of this distance between me and my family, our relationship became, became much better. So that also um, worked out towards my goal of like um, uh, repairing certain relationships with my family members. So yeah, you know, um, life works in very mysterious ways sometimes. Uh, and, and you just have to trust the process and go for it. Yep. I like your sharing about, um, you know, like, like this, this is what you call like goal setting that was unintended, right? Yeah. Essentially, because all these sort of things are appeared because it was a necessity and not something which you can plan during New Year resolutions. Exactly. You know, a lot of people make the mistake uh, that, you know, you should only do goal setting <laughs> at the beginning of the year. No. <laughs> you know, when actually, uh, from my perspective, uh, goal setting should be very dynamic. Yeah, because sometimes, right, when you do goal setting, right, then you realize halfway, hey, this is not working. You need to learn how to change and adapt. Uh, yeah, so I think it's, it needs to be dynamic. La. Sometimes goal setting, you know, you realize through halfway, this is actually not the goal that you should be changing you should be chasing then you need to learn how to pivot yeah exactly i mean like goal setting is something that should happen when it needs to you know uh and and uh the these kind of goals the best kind of goals are the goals that stem out of necessity yeah because you achieve them quite fast <laughs> usually <laughs> la, usually la. usually when it becomes a need la, then that's when people act la, usually yeah but let's hope that after listening to this podcast, right, you guys actually set goals, uh, not because the time and occasion calls for it, uh, but you at least are able to set it because, um, you know, you're actively like, you know, trying to achieve it. Uh, because I think, you know, having that skill set is important, right? So, okay, so we're pretty much done for this podcast. We hope that it definitely helps uh, all of you. Uh, we did have a very short Q&A, also because it's the, you know, Christmas, so we don't want this podcast to drag for too long. So the first question is basically, how do you stay motivated when you are discouraged? Ryan, how do you do it? Oh, uh, I, I, because like uh, how we mentioned, we, when uh, you have a big, hairy, audacious goal, and then you break it down to smaller, achievable goals, quantifiable, uh, um, relevant, and uh, short-term, long-term goals, you know, um, it, knowing that it, I, I'm working towards the big, hairy, audacious goal, right, it gives me um, conviction, I know, because like, um, I, I know that I'm working towards the big goal, and it's all part of the process. So I'm able to like uh, I'm able to understand that you know the, um, suffering now is necessity, sacrificing now is necessity. So uh, in order to to achieve that goal, and then it's not like whereby uh when after I achieve the small goal, and I'm like oh what's next? No, because like after I achieve the small goal, I know uh, I know that uh, this small goal will uh, work uh, towards like uh, another like slightly larger goal. Like say you know I get a uh, I uh, I get uh, certification for my uh, professional work, right? And then that leads to high income because I can negotiate better with my boss. And then after getting high income, I can invest better. I can invest more. And that will lead me to become filthy rich. So so yep. that's how I stay motivated. Yep. Uh, also to add on the fact to, in terms of mental wellness, I think sometimes uh, when you are not, when you are discouraged, right? You have to acknowledge that it's part of the process. Yeah. Because, you have to trust uh, the process, huh? 
Yeah, you have to trust the process because like no if your goal if you if you put it this way, lah, if you never ever feel discouraged on the quest of your goal, it means your goal is too easy. Mm. Okay, I, I must add that particular factor because generally I've never been in a situation uh, where I set a very big goal, right? Then I never ever get discouraged. <laughs> right. So uh if actually you should see that as a positive sign because it shows that your goal is difficult. And it's something which is not easy to attain, lah. Right. So that that means that you're putting at least in terms of like goal setting, ah, uh, at least you know that that is a valid goal because sometimes because goals which are worth chasing tends to be something where the journey is not easy. It's actually quite difficult, right? It's it's not an easy thing to achieve. So, ah, uh, when you feel discouraged, right? I think what really helps is that you um acknowledge it, but also learn to be kind to yourself, as mentioned in terms of the. Review lah, and upon reflection, because it's very important to reflect, and then also like take a breather, and also be kinder to yourself. You know, be be kind to yourself that you know you might not have achieved it, but at least you went through the process, and take it as a learning lesson to improve. Uh, in the next run that you go at it, right? Because um, it's very easy to get caught up. Uh, in being discouraged and therefore you don't act. But I think what's more important is that you learn how to build resilience. Uh, in terms of setbacks. Right, because if you speak to any high performer, I can guarantee you、uh, a lot of them, right, are very, very persistent. All right, I think that is one huge differentiating factor, right, when I talk to people who are very high achievers versus people who are just average. And then the very high achieving people, right, they are very, very persistent. In fact, they are so persistent, I can say, I can even quantify it.、Uh, they are at least right six to ten times are、uh, more persistent, right, than people who are average performers. Yeah, you know why they are very persistent, and you know why they are very pushy. They are very persistent and very pushy, right, because um. Experience has taught them, right, that if they are persistent enough, the likelihood of it happening is a lot higher than if you don't pursue it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you must trust that it is uncomfortable, and because they are, you know, they are also very persistent. It's because to them, right, they've really been through so much shit already, right. Then for them, ah,、uh, to go that extra mile to be a bit more persistent, ah,、uh, they're okay. Yeah. Which is why there's a lot of athletes, ah,、uh, who say, um, you know, it's not. How many times you fall down? That matters. Is how of how quickly do you get up after you fall down? Yeah, the Japanese saying is like the Japanese said,、uh, saying fall down seven,、uh, rise eight. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um, learn that falling down is part of the process, and learn that um, you know, learning how to get up from adversity is a skill set. That you need to acquire over time. It's not an overnight process, right? I like to say everybody is a ten-year overnight success. So during this ten-year overnight success, ah,、uh, don't expect. To get result after you falling <laughs> one time, it's going to take a shit. Usually, it takes a shit ton more time to achieve it, lah. Right? Like even the Apple Apple phone, ah, it took them like close to like five iterations before the Apple phone became really really big. And that is with like multi billions of dollars and a huge team behind them to avoid、uh, to succeed to what it is today. It's not nothing is a a one day overnight success. It takes years, right? So. Um, the next question is basically a point of view on goal. I think this one is not really relevant to the the discussion in terms of goal setting, but in terms of point of value or goal, I think me and Ryan have really addressed it very well in our first episode, the Fiat Standard. So you can actually get and go back and uh listen to the first episode. What we our views on goal lah. I don't think that has changed fundamentally. This year has it changed for you fundamentally? This year, Ryan? No, even like uh, but to tie it back to like um our our perseverance on goals, right? Like even if um like uh goal was um stable uh throughout twenty twenty two and uh crypto was not, 
I still stand by my my choice to invest in crypto because um I know wow it's volatile it's been performing like shit you know I lost like north of like uh I can't uh north of like 60 70 percent of my paper um profits but like still I choose I still choose to stand by this decision because I know that like gold in the next five years right will not definitely will not outperform crypto you know that and and like um you know that's why i stand by my goal to 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 keep holding on despite um it being scary and um volatile because like of, of like all the ftx and uh god knows which company's gonna go next huh? but um you know that's why you know you set, when you set your mind on like like uh investing well so again like uh just to give you another example of like um, big hairy audacious goals broken down into smaller achievable goals so i have this um big hairy audacious goal to be filthy rich and then i break it down to uh investing right for from investing i branch it down to i want to take high risk high return investments with um high certainty so crypto and bitcoin particularly is it right and that's why i invest in bitcoin but bitcoin is rather volatile and um insecure because of like how people put it on uh, exchanges right so for me to persevere through everything it's better that i get a core wallet and i chuck it in there and don't think about it and hence why i bought a ledger see when you when you have like a big goal you break it down into small achievable goals it's reverse engineering mostly but uh okay coming back to the point on like goal yeah you know um it's been it's been underperforming for the last I like to say twenty years, and I don't think it's it's gonna change anytime soon. So yeah, what do what do you think, Aaron? Um, uh, I mean personally, I don't invest in gold, uh, So I think that pretty much really sums up like my my stand on it. I think it's something which people flock to during times where you know it's very the more but usually from like my understanding and experience is that if it's really like shit hits the field it's shit really hits the ceiling uh, people are not going to fight over gold uh, people are going to fight over livestock oil food, oil, food. I mean so it's happening now so, right so, so, yeah so what are the things that went up in terms of price relative to inflation it's not gold it's your food yeah. the food that we eat you know all the livestock you buy from a supermarket this thing jack up by 40-50% some even double in price so you tell me which one is better to buy I think I'd rather buy the livestock <laughs> right, correct. Exactly, like right. food prices. Yeah. Like now, people in Europe, I think we in Southeast Asia are quite lucky eh, because we don't, especially in Malaysia, where the oil is subsidized, your sugar is all subsidized, food is like somewhat controlled in prices, you know. Yeah. But in Europe, think... uh, people are suffering, you know, like they are freezing at home, you know, they can't afford food, and then their their government has to prioritize defense over all these things, you know. So like for them, they are really suffering. But like from 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 all this uh suffering, there's a positive that we can take away lah. Because like because of uh how Europe is reliant on like um a country that I shall not name on gas, um they are trying slowly trying to um pivot into renewables very very quickly. So they it's have got to a point right. it's because it's out of necessity again. Yeah, that's why. So. The best kind of change and goals are, are, are the goals that um come that come from like desperation and necessity. Yeah. So um I cannot say too much on goal. It's just that I, I think the bigger question is whether or not in my investment thesis has changed. And I don't think it has. Uh because number one, I'm not a trader. I'm not a market timer. So I'm a person who very much prefer to have my stability based on my income 
you know, and my businesses versus depending on my portfolio. My portfolio is just basically like I'm just wanting to put it in a place whereby there's a highest likelihood of uh, capital gains over a prolonged period. And when I say prolonged period, the definition is around 10 to 15 years. Yeah, yeah so I don't really aim to make a quick buck over one to two years now because, you know, I'm not, I'm not SBF lah. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> so so that, that 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 won't happen for me la. I don't I don't believe in such a thing as uh, I only offer one product guaranteed fifteen percent uh, capital year on year. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you have any other questions, Ryan? So um, one question I do have is uh, I have a couple of them, but um, from our conversation just now. Yeah. But uh, one of them is um, when to consider change or you pivot from a goal. Oh, this one is quite easy la. usually um, you kind of know it when you're chasing it you just need to be very honest about it like uh, yeah. if you are chasing a goal right, and then during this phase uh, you innately know that um, you are not very happy and you are feeling a lot of like um, concern about like uh, comfort level where it's not there's two types of comfort uh. there's like uncomfortable com- uncomfortable and there's something that's good uncomfortable there's the bad uncomfortable so if you are feeling like something which is like very bad uncomfortable uh, then that's when you kind of need to consider changing your goal yeah and usually it's quite obvious one uh. like you know there are sometimes uh, when you are chasing something where it's a gla- glaring red flag in front of you to know that if you pursue this path any longer right, it's going to be very bad for you in the long run that's when you should consider to cut your losses and then start to pivot. Yeah. yeah. I think this this one is very apparent in relationships. Mm. I think. Yeah. Like usually if you're in a very like very bad relationship, uh, then you see a lot of red flags and you still don't want to change and pivot. Uh, then that's when you really need to like wake up to the idea and maybe you start to consider pivoting. So it's not just like like romantic relationships, but sometimes working relationship, you know, uh, it can be relationship with your with your company, you know, things like that. That's, that's when you need to start pivoting uh, your goal. I think that's, that's very important because um, a lot of people get sucked up in the idea that goal setting should only happen once a year when I feel like it's more of a dynamic thing. Because sometimes while chasing for that goal, uh, you realize that's not actually the goal that you want. Then that's when you need to start changing. You you, you rang a bell in my, uh, my memory. Uh, it's like I, I spoke to like a friend a couple of months ago and then like, um, you know, some, some people, they have difficulty in like... Uh, maintaining relationships or getting a relationship and then like uh they made it uh, uh he made it his goal to kind of like work towards uh getting a girlfriend in uh, 2023 but then um after like all this right like his problem was more towards the money side of things instead of like getting a girlfriend because like the thing with like money and materialism with like uh this kind of like romantic relationships right is that when this at least this is just my thoughts uh, when you have the money, right, you're able to provide, you know, so you can give, uh, you can, you can, you can treat um, the girl you're going after to a nice meal, be spontaneous about it. Because like, let's say if you're cash strapped right, and you follow like a very um, strict kind of like a um, schedule in terms of your, your, your money, uh, 20% goes to bills, another 20% goes to what else. And then you only have like 10% to yourself and to, to, to invest in uh, relationships, right? Then you don't have the luxury of providing the kind of like spontaneity um, to, to, to uh, a girl, you know, like, let's say like sometimes when, you know, you just want to like up and say, Hey, let's go to Bali or something. You know, if you're cash strapped, you don't have that option. And then it doesn't spark that kind of like uh, um, 
the the spark, you know, like when when you're spontaneous, uh, it it creates um a good with memory, lah, you know. So um some uh the point I'm trying to get at is like it may not be the problem you're working the 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 right problem you're trying to address or so. So maybe that's kind of like when you need to change your strategy to 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 achieve it, to achieve the problem, uh, to solve the problem and achieve your goal. Yeah, I think you need to also be very clear about what is the problem at hand, right? That's what yeah. you mentioned in that very particular example. Uh, it is not unrealistic if you are a father with a daughter, mm-hmm. right? It is not difficult for you to want to have your daughter, right? To be with a person who can provide, right? Even yeah. if your daughter can provide for herself, it is not unreasonable for you as a parent uh, to want to ensure that your daughter be with a person who is not useless. <laughs> okay, <laughs> la, maybe in this particular case, obviously it's too harsh, la, but I mean, you know, as a father, I don't want my daughter to be with a man who's useless, right? Right? No, no, no father on earth will want that for his daughter. So likewise, you know, when you decide to be with a partner, don't be fucking useless. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Right. So I think that's like the the type of like um goal that I stem in terms of relationship. You know, so long as you are a person who always puts yourself out there, you are willing to work for to make things happen, right? Then I think generally it's okay. Um, you know, to go lah. So the next question is uh, what if my goal is not quantifiable? So uh, maybe Ryan would like to give an example. What do you mean by not quantifiable? Yeah, not quantifiable as in like say a you know, uh, I want to. Um, I mean, I mean, we we talked about this, like, like say, like I want to be happy, right? Uh, or um, I want to um, say uh, more spiritual things, or like uh, in your career, you know, or like say relationships. You want to improve your relationship, right? That's not something that's quantifiable, right? So like, um, how do I know that I can uh, I stay on track on things? When I when I'm not able to quantify my goal and like, uh, measure it, you know. Yeah, I think that's something which is like the under the measurement metric where it's very tough, right? Because you're talking about things which are very close towards relationships, right? Relationships and emotions. These are something which are harder to quantify. Right, but I guess in terms of like, you know, if you're in a romantic partnership, right, then I think what's important is whether or not you still have that level of transparency that you have as a couple, right? Because I think one of the very dangerous signs uh, in terms of romantic relationships, right, is when a couple hides things from each other. Yeah. You know, that's, I think, one of the very big red flags that you should have, you know, then also there are relationships where there's a lot of gaslighting amongst uh, each other, la. you know, that's when it should be a red flag. So it is not quantifiable, but it is not 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 obvious does that make sense yeah because it, it, emotionally it, it, you can feel it what? because that, that quantifiability is not from um from, not from a measurement of numbers but it comes from you feeling things so to say to put it into words right it's more like uh, I need to achieve some kind of experience uh. would, would yes. that be would that yeah be... and something which is more positive rather than negative because I think that's very easy for you to check list off like so for example if it's something you know like how you know whether or not your relationship with your romantic partner is going well is when you have more positive relationships than negative ones la. so it's like you feel good around them they're also feeling happy around you and the vibe overall is very positive and pleasant uh, even though you guys might have some like um, transgressions you know some issues at hand then it generally shows that the relationship is going well 
you know. But if there's a situation whereby a very unpleasant like uh, experience happens, right, and then you know everyone is feeling negative about it, and then no one is like being very transparent to fix it, uh, then that should actually raise some red flags. Then it means that the relationship needs work. Yeah, you need to have some very uncomfortable conversations, and that needs to happen fast because um I think the biggest red flag is that when you identify it right in a relationship and you don't address them, that that that's where it becomes very very dangerous. And uh, of course, we have actually spoken quite in depth with, about this in the Relationships and Money podcast with Azan and Sher. So you guys might want to take a read at that. And by the way, that podcast actually, that particular podcast episode is within our top three, like most listened to podcasts of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so it's performing quite well. So I think like, um, as I said, right, the three-legged stool in life is generally health, money, and relationships. So generally, the things which is very hard to quantify is relationships. But generally, I think... Um, I think women are technically better at this style of judgment, you know, from experience. But women are also very good at gaslighting themselves. Okay, from experience, uh, women, they are good at identifying, but they are also very good at gaslighting themselves. Whereas for men, uh, because we are, especially in the Asian society, are supposed to be a tough man and shut the fuck up, right? So I think that's very tough for us to quantify. But I think, um, you know, as a guy, I think it's not difficult to know when you feel like shit. Okay, yeah. unless you're in unless you're insane lah, you know, but generally if you're a good person, you know, and you're not a toxic person, it's quite easy for you to figure out when when you need to like step up lah. As, as, yeah. uh, I think that's the easiest way to say it. Because if you're a good person and you care for your partner, right, then I don't think it's very difficult for you to make the decision to step up a little bit and not be, you know, quote unquote useless lah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if that's harsh, but I that's how I see it lah. I'm not just... Not just useless, you know, because like I feel like even if you really care about the person, uh, you also rethink about your 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 approach in communicating. Like let's say like um your your what you mentioned about like gaslighting and everything. So like you know your 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 you become like less demanding. It's more about like whether um you are happy and she's happy. You know uh whether our lives are comfortable, whether um our futures are secure. You know, and it's not about like more like um. You know, I don't know, like you want to, uh, like because of certain things, you want to like guess like your partner and all that. You know, you would rethink your approach to things, like, I would say. Yeah, and you will actually like have very concrete steps, uh, which is quantifiable, right? Yeah, because you... it's, although you might say that it's not quantifiable, what you realize that the steps needed to achieve a positive outcome is quantifiable. So for example, is let's say you have a very big issue that if you're not raised to your partner, the quantifiable thing is that you need to raise it, right? Yeah. That's quantifiable, right? Then assuming, let's say you feel like shit or you spiritually you feel like shit, then a quantifiable step to take is that, okay, I need to do something to make it better, right? It can be a quantifiable thing. can be, okay, I'm going to take one week break and I'm going to like figure out why I feel like that. Uh, a quantifiable metric might be you maybe you decide to see a therapist because that can be quite helpful as well. And, um, you know, I think the negativity around like therapy work has been quite well uh, mended over the past two years since COVID. La. So people are now yeah. realizing that therapy is quite a good thing. So I'm glad for that because I think um, unfortunately, you know, especially in Asian context, uh, when you go and see a shrink, people think you're insane. Actually, that's not true. La. I think everybody will benefit from therapy if you have a good therapist, right? So, um, you know, that might itself, going to see a therapist might actually be a quantifier metric that um, you can add inside your arsenal of like, you know, your goal is not quantifiable. I would say that most goals, even emotional ones, can be quantifiable. You just need to know how to sit down and then write 
you know, it, it, it might not be numbers, right? But it can be events and steps that you can take to quantify it. Yeah. But I think your point about seeing a doctor is very underrated. Because like, with like, people like me, right? Like, I, I uh, like, I would like to say that like, I'm quite on top of like my, my career and my money and everything. But then like, emotionally, I'm kind of like a wreck. So for me, it's extremely difficult because like all this, sometimes all these emotions and everything, like, it's hard for me to understand and learn that it's somewhat quantifiable in a way that it does not need to be numbers, you know, because like I'm so obsessed with like numbers sometimes like, when like uh, I don't see a number, you know, I don't feel secure. So like, um, like I know I, I haven't seen uh, a psychologist, but like I've been reading books about psychology. So like I thought like maybe if I seen someone, my problems would have been solved sooner. So like I think it's quite uh, instead of like um spending all the time suffering. So like like seeing someone uh seeing a doctor can help expedite the the whole process. Uh. So don't shy away from that. Yeah, and definitely don't have a negative connotation to it. Like. I think everybody sometimes when they feel like shit, right, it's because they didn't seek professional help. Uh sometimes professional help might be in a case where you do have to take medication to lessen the blow. Um I think for uh, a very good example for people who always feel a lot of anxiety and stress uh, is that you can actually watch the latest documentary on Netflix called Xanax, Take Your Pills. Yeah, there's that that was a very good documentary I feel right in explaining right some of the uh, phases that people with very bad anxiety go through you know so I think it's a very good watch if you are you know experiencing a lot of like anxiety and uh, not not sure whether or not you're the only person um, who's going through this lah. because um, personally you know I have friends who have anxiety and I didn't realize it was so um it apparently, you know, it's 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 not something which is like so, uh, you know, individualized. Actually, quite quite a number of people experience the same exact symptoms as well, some of my friends who have anxiety have, right? And then it's all documented the that documentary. So if you are a person who experiences a lot of anxiety and you know a lot of like, uh, like like issues, right? Then you know, uh, know that you are not the only one. And uh, if you need some affirmation, I think the Netflix documentary does portray a pretty accurate um, example because they do take quite a number of good people who have been through anxiety, anxiety and sometimes it's not even like one or two. They're talking about some, some of them going through it for 30 years uh, and they've been on medication for 30 years. So this is not something which is easily curable and something which, you know, just, just comes into it. Lah. So I think it was a pretty good documentary. So if you are curious on that, you can go and take a look. Yeah, so uh, that also does add on to the, like, the goal is not quantifiable. Because usually when you say goals are not quantifiable, it's generally linked to either emotions, uh, you know, mental state of well-being, you know, and things, just just understand that there, there are places to get professional help and you should seek it and don't be worried about the negative stigma because I think um, by the time if you know after so many years of suffering uh, it's, to me it's unnecessary lah. because I yeah. think that if you can get it done professionally then you know I think it's unnecessary to suffer life will be much better lah. because these are like the people who, who can translate uh, these kind of like emotionally quantifiable things to you to something that you can understand they are professionals yeah. eh? Yeah, and you also have to realize that you are definitely not their first case. Yeah. Right. You'll be surprised uh, how fucked up uh, people's lives can be, their backstory can be. It's just that you, they didn't bother to tell you. Yeah. So generally, just understand that your case, no matter how fucked up, you know, you're not the only one. Uh. There are definitely experts out there who have seen something similar, something worse. Uh, so, you know, don't, don't worry too much about it. 
Yeah, there are, there are generally good people who are there to help. Yeah. Okay, that goes on to our next topic, right? Which is thoughts on materialism on goal setting. Okay, uh, maybe um, Brian, would you like to give some color by uh, what you mean by on this? Yeah, I mean like um, materialism, right? So like when we talk about materialism, it becomes things like money, it becomes things like uh, luxury goods, uh, you know, uh, cars, and like even in relationships, you know, sometimes a little bit of materialism can be good. Too much can be bad, you know. Um, and in the context of goal setting, right? Like, how much should you uh, account for when it comes to materialism into your goals? I think it just depends from person to person, lah. Because like, uh, I can say that materialism can be as little as having coffee once or twice a day to as high as I need to drive a Ferrari in order to feel content, uh, or I need to have a private island to feel content. You know, so I think it depends <laughs> on. Oh, I need to have a private island funded by an exchange to feel content, something like that. Lah. So uh, I think it depends on <laughs> I think it depends highly on the individual, right? Because um I think it's quite tough to live life without materialism, personally. Um even for my own context, even though I always say be very prudent with your finances. Uh, I am not a person who shies away from buying stuff that I like. Yeah. yeah. So um, I never ever share uh, what I buy on my social media feeds except maybe in my personal Instagram. And even in my personal Instagram, right, I only show it to close friends. Yeah. So I never ever broadcast it unless it's uh, my circle of friends who I feel comfortable sharing that. So generally, um, that's how I like take pleasure in my own like materialism lah, because I'm not super materialistic, uh, but I do enjoy the finer things in life. So things like going on short holidays, uh, things like buying things which I like the artist's impression of like a particular product. It may be a hat, it may be like some, um, you know, um, clothing which I like. So I will spend on it. You know, I don't shy away from spending on stuff like that. Uh, even though I can get it cheaper at, you know, Uniqlo or H&M, right? So I'm not a person who shy away from that. But that's also because um, I think a, a large portion of that has to do with the fact that I came from an artistic background during my uh, diplom diploma years, right? So I, I appreciate the fact that someone actually took the time to design something that works. Yeah, so um, I think that, that, that I'm influenced by that because um, I really appreciate artist's work. Therefore, I'm willing to pay for it because I also understand that artists need to survive as well. So I'm not too worried about spending on stuff like that. So um, I think that depends on, on person to person now because sometimes you might be with a person, right, who's very like uh, heavy on materialism. But sometimes you have to differentiate the fact between materialism where it is a necessity for them to have a at least like a certain standard of living uh, where uh, they're not like eating everything from like uh, a grown garden outside uh, inside a farm. Uh. I think that one is like very extreme, uh, you know, but but generally if you live in a city, right, and then especially you're in a f like Asian context, uh, Chinese Chinese or like Asian context, uh, like 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 even in Japan, right, generally people are quite brain conscious. Uh, so, you know, it's very difficult for you to uh, to shy away from all that, especially if you're employed you know, your employee, then if you do business even harder. So I think it's very difficult for you to shy away from it. So I think a little bit is okay. Um, and the way that you go around goal setting is that it depends on the percentage. La. If Obviously, if you're doing everything so that you can afford all this, right, then I think that is, 
you need to have a reality check lah. Because I think end of the day, right, very successful people, you know, the branding is one thing, but I think what we care more about is whether or not a person can actually do the work that you give them to a quality and standard that they appreciate. So, you know, um, you know, there, there's very wide variety. Lah. There's some people who can stay in a farm and then for the rest of your life never step into a city. I cannot do that, right? Because I appreciate the finer things in life. So for me, I need to have, have at least like a decent, uh, decent like apartment where I can turn on the tap water and not worry about the water not flowing. You know, I cannot I cannot be in a farm uh, that I need to collect a water from the well uh, then go and, go and like filter my own water through some Philips like water filter. I cannot do that. Lah. I cannot. That, that's not a life for me, right? Oh. So then for me also, I cannot be in a place where after 6pm nothing is open you know I need to be in a place where after 6pm uh, there are at least options for me to go and you know watch a movie you know at least something that is very recent and you know from the American states uh, rather than I stay in a farmland then the, then the earliest then the newest movie is basically shred from the year 2004 you know something like that lah so, just how far in the jungle were you staying? Uh? <laughs> sounds sounds like sounds like some jungle and wow. Yeah, yeah, but it's just 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 a very good illustration, uh. So I think it boils back down to the type of life that you enjoy yourself. Because I think once you travel enough places around the world, then you have a pretty good idea of what you want and what you don't want, right? So, uh, when you have that type of experience, then I think you pretty much have a very good like idea, lah. So, like I think like materialism. It's very the problem is that it's very individualistic, right? Some people they need to have a lot of like you know things in their their house, like like they need to have like Dyson vacuum cleaner, they need to have like, uh you know like a sixty inch monitor TV, right? Then they need to have like uh the latest iPhone every time, even though the phone is working perfectly fine, they always need to have a brand new phone. Then you know then they also need to have like the biggest most expensive car, you know. Then they also needs to have like like uh not just one but maybe five cars in their garage, and then the house must be like super super big. Ah, uh, then they feel happy, right? But um, generally, I think that's a very sweet spot, right? Where you have enough to feel content and appreciate to join the small club. But then, I think after beyond that limit, right? That's where it becomes marginal utility. Mm. Yeah, and then it becomes more of like a toxic relationship, which you probably need to manage, <laughs> with uh, with your inner self. Because I like from experience, right? Usually, I think once you hit like a certain amount of like wealth, uh, where you you can pretty much buy almost anything within reason, right? Generally, anything more in excess uh, means that the, the relationship with yourself is borderline toxic. It means there is something that is driving that insatiable appetite for materialism that needs to be addressed because you always need to look for them uh, in order for, to fulfill your self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. So when I look at materialism, right, if it's something which is insight-driven, you know, then I think it's okay. But if it's something where I need to buy it, if not, I cannot prove to others, right, that I'm worthy. Then that's where it's very dangerous. Oh, again, uh, it, it has to come from within. Uh. Yeah. So I think like thoughts on materialism or like when you have a relationship, romantic partner, then, you know, obviously she wants uh, something which is a little bit uncomfortable. You know, it might be small little getaways things. I think that's normal, uh, you know, because like what yeah. she's really telling you is, what she's really telling you is not that she wants to go on a very luxurious holiday, but she wants to have that spontaneity, right? To spend alone time with you because she's feeling stressed out in the current circumstance lah, or something like that and she just needs a break so she's at least, at least she's telling you, you know, she, she, at least she's telling you that alright I see it as a positive if, uh, if, if my if my better half uh, tells me that she wants to that, I, I take it as a sign at least she tells me yeah you know rather than she don't tell me I'd rather that she tell me that, rather than she go and tell another guy that's the worst right Oof. <laughs> yeah, and that and that and that that, that is not materialism uh. that is actually just um, that, that very valid like 
um, emotion that your partner is showing and you should listen to it because she's telling you something. Yeah, so uh, apart from that, is there anything else? If not, then uh, Ryan, any last words before we sign off? Yeah, I mean, um, it's been a great chat the last two hours talking about um, New Year resolutions. Well, my yeah. thought around all this, right, to, to summarize is be as honest with yourself as possible and uh, address problems at its most raw form. You know, don't need to hide around, beat around the bush or hide behind one. Um, when when it comes to all these goals, ultimately, it is something that you are doing for yourself. And um, you have to be extremely honest about it, whether it's something that you yourself want or not, or, you know, it perhaps um, it, it's uh, something that you're working towards like a larger goal, or is it something that um, you're just working at it because you want to impress someone, you know, and that makes all the difference between people who persevere and don't um, through all these goals. And ultimately, like, if you're struggling struggling a little, it's fine. You know, uh, nothing beats a bit of uh, desperation and um, out of the comfort zone to make you um, push yourself harder towards the goal. But um, yeah, you know, just going to be honest with yourself, trust the process. And um, I hope everyone uh, manages to um, set great new resolutions. And um, yeah. And also before uh, we end the session, right, I also like to say, I, I think I, I haven't formally um, said anything about this, but I just like to say thank you to everyone for uh, listening to the RA21 podcast. Um, for the last 12 months, you know, I honestly did not think that uh, we'll be we'll be able to like get traction and have all these wonderful guests on the show. So, um, you know, thank you for the support and also our um, guests are uh, Ring It To Dollar podcast, um, Steffi Kondo, Stephanie, and um, Azan and Sher, and also Ake from uh, The Hidden Walls. So thank you um, for joining us on the show and um, having a great chat. All, all over and uh, I look forward to um, growing this channel in uh, the next year yeah definitely so you know guys uh, it's been a very good um, chat I think after this particular episode uh, because we want to push it out before the new year start right me and Ryan might go on a one month hiatus you know just one month just to regroup because our next guests actually do need a little bit of time to come in and I think you guys will appreciate them uh, but apart from this I hope that this particular episode has been very fruitful and a very good listen in time for your new year resolutions which is upcoming I think in like 13 days so hey look it's been a good year and definitely we hope that you guys have uh, enjoyed listening to us as much as we have enjoyed you know addressing your questions so you know if you have any other questions you can always follow us you know Ryan is on Instagram at food and stonks uh, and for me I'm on Aaron Ghost Global both on Instagram and uh, we definitely look forward to having a very fruitful season 2 and this is Aaron and Ryan is as always with me so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.